One podcast has crushed the horror landscape, leaving behind the silent audio waves of all of those who have came before. Introducing our hosts. This man needs no introduction, but needs seven takes to record his own. He is known for rating bad movies high and known for rating good movies high. Don't try to call him because he only phones it in. He is our host from the foreign land of Canada, Mood 616. This man is willing to die even on the smallest of hills. He argues to the point in which he disagrees with himself. A man who knows a remake when he sees one. He is the Mexican-born super producer known as the humble one and the sexy one, JP. They are known for creating superstars out of their guests. They are known for being the number one horror podcast on the Horophilia Network, except for when they allow others to take a turn. They are the devil's advocate of horror podcasting. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 85 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the ill-mented funky child, also known as Moods. And of course, I've always got the homeboy Double Shot J, the half-blooded Mexican who I like to call the Humble Hulk. But we like to call him JP for short. And we are very, very proud to welcome back to the show for the first time. (laughs) The Welcome retro slasher, the first time. <laughs> aka Andy Barkley. Yeah, what's going what up, on, Mark? Man? What's up, guys? <laughs> you get it though, man. Andy Barkley. It, it totally makes sense. He's the retro it, slasher. Andy Barkley is a kid from Child's Play. Getting, cre- <laughs> getting creative. Come on. What amazes me is you do that in like one take. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, no. Honestly, that, that was actually not that bad. Sometimes I do. It takes me three or four sometimes. Yeah, like, wow. he doesn't. He does. He usually, I would, I would probably say fifty percent of the time he does it in one take. There was one night where I swear we, he did it like six takes. Yeah, sometimes I, I think I'm talking with marbles in my mouth, and it's just I don't tongue twisters that aren't really tongue twisters. Yeah, man, Andy, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, no problem, no problem. Yeah, Andy's getting to see the behind the scenes stuff. He got to see our hour long pregame and then he got <laughs> to see experience. Which like <laughs> was pretty much not even related to the show. Yeah. Well I think we talked Olympics. Uh yep. we talked uh screeners and, and uh I believe swimming. Your 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 kids swimming. Yep, a little bit of channel stats. <laughs> yeah, channel stats, analytics for all of you stat nerds out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but andy uh why don't you tell everybody where they can check out your content at um i'm on youtube my channel's name is the retro slasher i kind of makes mostly make slasher videos related videos you know um also part of body bags so i know you guys started that channel Uh living you still living strong without us i see yeah we're doing okay cool cool i got two females on there now man it's crazy jesus yeah it's crazy. <laughs> yep, that's pretty cool. That's like more. That's like twice the amount of females that Jeremy's ever seen in his house ever. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> it's a true story. True story. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what kind of? What you said you do? Uh, like a lot of videos on on like slashers. That I take it that's your favorite subgenre. But I seen recently you was doing like some ranking videos. You, I believe you just did a child's play one, right? Correct. Yeah, that was a pretty cool video. You oh man, my Andy Barkley was not even related to that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so that's that's strange. 
<laughs> shit, didn't even think about that. Oh, shit. But yeah, but before we get into the meats and meat, the meats, the meat and potatoes of this uh, show here, I want to play a little game with Andy called the 22 shots. Hide the soul. <laughs> yeah, I want to play hide the hide soul, soul with Andy. So for everybody out there, I want, uh, you know, you guys to get to know Andy a little bit better. So I'm going to play this game called uh, 22 questions with Andy. But of course, there is not 22 questions because that would be. <laughs> Amazingly ridiculous to ask twenty two questions. Just take way too fucking long. Kind of like this intro. Dude, right. so, this is off the cuff. Like, what's going on here? Like, I don't even know about this. <laughs> so they're very, very quick. Very, very quick. And uh, okay. so, starting with the number one first question. Very simple. It's a no brainer. It's just a quick answer. What is your favorite horror movie of all time? It's kind of like Breaking the Ice. Oh, since I'm kind of been labeled a slasher guy, but surprisingly, my favorite horror movie is uh, The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. Zach would be so proud. Yeah. And why And why is The Lost Boys your favorite film? Because I always found it very intriguing that you are such a huge slasher fan, much like myself, because slashers are my favorite too, that when I found out that your favorite horror film was The Lost Boys, I was intrigued. I was like, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know if it has a lot to do with just like nostalgic reasons. It's like a, it's a movie that like, I have like fond memories with my grandparents watching when I was younger and everything. Just a movie I always gravitated to the most. I don't really have a real answer why. It's my so favorite movie. Nostalgic, pretty much. Was it the yeah. first horror film you ever seen? No, I believe actually Child's Play 2 was the first one I've seen. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. Question number two. Vans or Air Jordans? Uh, well, currently I only wear Vans because I can't afford Air Jordans. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Question number three. Favorite fast food restaurant? Uh... Damn, that's a tough one. Uh, I'll go with Burger King. Huh, that's a, that's an interesting pick. Not a lot of people go with that. Man, I was not expecting that whatsoever. Uh, question number four. Favorite non-horror flick? Non Scarface. Scarface? Cool. Now, question five, I will warn you, is uh, it's a thinker. Okay. So you might have to, like, put your thinking cap on for this one. All right. And, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> question number five. 22 shots or exploding heads? Ah, uh, well... I really haven't had a chance to listen to uh, the Exploding Heads podcast. Of course so. you did. Who has? <laughs> so I, I'd have to go with you guys. Sorry, bro. Yeah, that's the right answer. Yeah, you completely pass. unbiased opinion right there, right, listeners? <laughs> that, was a, that was a good question, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was at the bike park today, and I was like, I got I to gotta come up with those five questions for Andy thing. <laughs> so, cool, man. I like doing that. That's fun. That's some fun stuff right there. Bonus edition. Pepsi or Coke? Ah, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'd have to go with Coke. Really? Yeah. I, I'm I'm more of a Coke guy too. But when I was younger, I was a Pepsi guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It always. I find Pepsi is just a little bit more crisper. Yeah, it's a little too crisper. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. So, what is new in the day in the life of the homeboys here, JP? What's what's been new, bud? Well, homie, I just wanted to make a huge announcement right now. I have went out as an out onto the computer and I have purchased my advanced screening tickets uh, September 1st for Rob Zombies 31. It's it's a quite a distance away but I'm going to oh, make sure I'm nice. going to check it out before everybody else. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. That's going to be Man, I'm excited. I have not watched right a single trailer. I didn't do any I, I mean I've saw some of the stills and I've I've I made that video talking about why I didn't watch the trailer. <laughs> it seemed to 
both piss a lot of people off and get a lot of views. So, uh, you know, a fake trailer reaction video was pretty popular video of mine and I'm just, I'm pumped. I can't wait to see it. I'm hoping this is going to be, uh, my number one of the year or in my top 10, at least like that's what I'm, that's, that's, I'm setting my hopes high on this one. I've been a huge fan of Rob Zombie, um, since, uh, house of a thousand corpses and i've liked all of his films and 70 percent of the people listening to this podcast just turned it off yep (laughs) (laughs) that is true um i think that rob zombie is probably yeah i i would honestly say probably the hottest topic in horror no matter where you are if you bring up rob zombie i feel like that it divides horror fans more than any other topic that there is i i think that topic used to belong to uh i i guess probably torture porn and maybe even before that like rape revenge films like i spit on your grave and last house on the left but i think lately anytime you and lately is in like the last decade i feel like if you bring up rob zombie's name it's gonna divide some people it's completely due to the fact that rob zombie was already a household name before he you made it you know big quote unquote in uh, making horror films um i i think it's more to the fact that people everybody has an opinion about rob zombie because they feel like they kind of already know him Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit based off his music. So it's like, oh, Rob Zombie. Oh, I can instantly just make an opinion. I'll judge his films on yeah, this. And-, and, you know, it definitely put an exclamation point on that when he was the one to direct Halloween, the remake. Because I think that that film is so sacred to a lot of people yeah. that um, it instantly either pisses you off or if you like it, you, you know, champion the fact that he directed it. Uh, but I think that that really was the the big turning point on why he became such a big topic is because he was like I think I even remember when he was announced people were like why the hell does this guy get to do the Halloween remake like, let's, let's, <laughs> and that and that was coming from all those elitists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I had to throw in the elitists, man. Uh, <laughs> being called an elitist was like the the highlight of my week. That was fucking amazing. I yeah, I was say. like, I, oh, thank I, you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I made it. I, he, he didn't really answer me too much on that, but he probably thought I was being a dick. But I was just like, I was confused if he was actually being serious or not. Yeah, because I don't think being, he really meant it in like an ill way. I th- well, that's what I was trying to explain. I was like, I'm you 100 percent sure you know what elitist means because it's kind of an insult to some yeah, people. I mean, yeah. to some people, but I've literally said that I'm like obviously in a joking way where I'm like mimicking Conor McGregor. Uh, of MMA yeah. fame, you know, have said like I am elite. Like I, I've literally wrote that in comments before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, I, 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 I kind I of took it sarcastic. as like, oh, he's talking about me. Yeah, I got your sarcastic, uh, you know, comedic lines that you're writing there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so I made the comment about when J- when JP gets nervous, he just uh, starts quoting MMA fighters. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. He's calling me an elitist. I'll just start quoting MMA fighters. <laughs> that was fucking oh, funny. That would, that just cracked me up, man. It's good shit. I mean, I'm I'm not trying. I'm not dissing anybody. That if you're listening to the show right now, I just thought it was awesome. <laughs> it's totally awesome because it it's kind of it was kind of a long time uh, like a joke that was stemming from Jeremy because we used to call him. You know, he was the the elite fucking uh, pretentious asshole and things like that. So I thought it was kind of funny <laughs> which, when it was we directed still feel that us. Way. Yeah, and it was kind of funny. It was directed at us now, and I was like, oh, now how the tables have turned. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Ah, shit. But I digress. Yeah. What about you? What you been up to? Well, um, I was out of town for a couple of weeks. Uh, and I know, missed you. Yeah. We took the motor home. We traveled through the Rockies and just hit a bunch of campsites and just relaxed. 
drank some beer and stuff. So I did that for a couple weeks. It was pretty cool. Not the greatest of weather, but I mean, really, what do you expect when you're like above tree line and stuff? It's, it is what it is, right? Very cool. Very cool. Very surreal experience. Those things are like amazing and fucking huge. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, besides that, man, uh, it was kind of strange because I was gone for about 12 days, 12, 13, whatever it was. And I didn't watch one movie that entire time. And I like literally was having horror film withdrawals. It was so crazy. <laughs> I remember when we got back to, well, on our way back, we stopped off at this place called Tejon and we were actually meeting two of our, our, our friends there. And so we camped with them for the long weekend and, uh, well, we had power. So we plugged the motor home into the power and I just, I put my, hooked my TV up in my, in my Blu-ray player and I just popped really in a movie just for a there, second. Huh? Oh yeah. And I didn't even, I didn't end up watching it. I just kind of popped in just to look at the menu and I'm like, ah, oh, that's all I needed, man. I just needed to look at Got something. my fix. It's just so strange. Cause like I watch a lot of movies and then when you go for that long without it, it's like, fuck man, it's crazy. I mean, it's not like I was just, you know, fiending out. I had beer, <laughs> you know, but no, it was, it was a fun trip. And then as soon as I got back the grind started again, you know, fucking kids. You know. shit. Yeah. Back to watching 96 films and then doing reviews, screen reviews and, uh, this busy with um life shit man he was back to the grind swimming pool baseball bmx fucking holy shit dude <laughs> it's just like non-stop this parenting thing is busy yeah. i don't recommend i don't recommend it it takes away from all, all the fun <laughs> the office. <laughs> i'm just joking i'm just joking but no but it's um yeah it's been it's been a good few weeks when was last time when did we record last about three weeks ago yeah i think so yeah because you posted you posted the last one on my channel when i was actually on holidays. Yeah, yeah, I did. So it was you that posted that, so and you got a good kick out of my password. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> I fucking oh it's like well we kinda of worked that out. I was like, man, he's gonna shit himself laughing at this, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and it's all stemming from some I can't, obviously I can't give it away, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's, pretty, it's pretty funny. But uh yeah, I, that's all I've been up to, man. I've been really trying to hit the grind up. I, I thought that I was going to fuck myself, but going on this two week vacation with the 96 show, getting way, way far behind, but I managed to watch a couple and plan it out. And, um, in between things, like I, last Saturday, I did a 24 hour horror marathon with my buddy Godzilla as you know, you guys, I've mentioned him lots of times on the show and it was an Italian theme. So we'd watch like 13 films, uh, and had lots of good eats, lots of good laughs and shit. And it was fun. It's fun. So for you guys out there that like those marathon what videos, was theme? uh, Italian, Italian. It was um, all Italian films. And we took like a whole pile. Of, we actually, it wasn't even done purposely. We just, things just kind of worked out that every, a lot of the films were different subgenres and shit. So it, it worked out pretty well. And, uh, uh, the only, the only thing that we had was we were only picking like one film from each director type of thing, except for Bruno Matai. We did, did two. We did like a double feature for that, but you should uh, uh, open it up to your viewers to pick the films next time or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're open to anything. Like, you know, we're looking forward to the next one and, you know, and, you know, more after that and stuff like that. So that would be cool, actually. A 24 hour, uh, basically fan picks. <laughs> that yeah, would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I get that to pick one. really cool. So, <laughs> got, yeah, man. For you guys that are waiting on the video, it'll probably be up in a couple of weeks. I got a lot of footage to go through and just a lot of things to do. So, but it'll be up. So one, that's what one, I've been up to. One thing that I wanted to mention before we move along here is uh, we I think we always do mention this, but I'm not sure every this is the third year now, every you know August, September, we start getting together a uh, fantasy NFL pick 'em. And so far we have, you know, about 15 or 16 people on board 
if there's any listeners that maybe haven't been on the Facebook group page, but do listen to the podcast and do check out the Facebook group page every once in a while, but just aren't as active on there because of the million notifications daily. Uh, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to join up, you know, go to the Facebook group page, find the post or message me uh, or email us or something. Uh, we do prefer that it's people that are, you know, maybe a little bit more regular on there just for the fact that, you know, if it's just some random people, we, we might not trust well, you. Well, because we do have kind of a streak going here the last two years. One person has fucked the winner out yeah. of their out of their winning. So which yes. isn't bad, which isn't bad. <laughs> a one out of 20 last year. Yeah. And so the year before, I believe it was one out of 15, which isn't isn't terrible odds. I mean, so how it works, guys, is it's a twenty dollar entry fee. Essentially, uh, you do not have to give the money up front. But I will say if you are somebody that we don't know at all, maybe if you do want to get in, uh, you could do the twenty dollars up front. So we we trust you. And basically, it's a weekly pick them. Uh, it's we're doing it on Yahoo this year, so you'll need. I'll give you the, like the sign in and the password and stuff. And then basically every week you'll make your NFL picks. All you're doing is picking the winner. There's no spread or anything like that. Just picking the guy that you think the team that you think is going to win. At the end, all of the uh, losers buy the one winner a twenty dollar Blu-ray. We're just gonna we're just gonna say about twenty dollars this year. Uh, which is usually what it is anyway, but no specifics this year, no no specific title um, except for the what the winner requests. So if they say I want Clown on Blu-ray, which is probably about you know fifteen to twenty dollars right now on Amazon, you'll basically buy that for them and ship it to them. Uh, or you are the winner and you get all that shit, <laughs> which is awesome. Like last last, last year, year the winner got what nineteen screen factories. He got nineteen, but he actually donated two to me. So uh, for hosting it, which I thought was really cool. Cool. Uh, So, yeah. uh, And he only missed one, I believe. Only one person did not send theirs. So, uh, you know, if you if you guys are curious, want to play, it's super fun. We talk about it all season long. We talk we're we're really big in the NFL on 22 shots. We we talk about the the games and our favorite teams go Pittsburgh every every year. Uh, And we we have a lot of fun. It's usually the Facebook group pops a lot more in the winter anyway. Uh, because people are not doing as much. So uh, the NFL just adds to that. Fucking rights, man. I was actually looking at the power rankings yesterday. I wanted to see where my bills were at. And they were actually at number 14. I was like, that's not bad out of 32 teams. Do you remember where Pittsburgh was? Pittsburgh, I believe, was number 7 or yeah, something they like should that. Number be, 7 or 8. They should definitely be in the top 10. Yeah. So, And then, of course, Jeremy's fucking Bears were 28 or 29. <laughs> <laughs> what about these 49ers? Let's go Niners. Uh, the 49ers actually were number 32. They were the last in the league. <laughs> no fucking shit, man. You tell me the LA Rams are, were ahead of them? Yeah, the fucking Rams are back in LA. That's so crazy. That team just, what is with the, the LA teams? The well, fucking no, Raiders, the Rams, like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Nobody they, they, wanted to go to the St. Louis games. <laughs> I know, it's so strange, man. But no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the season because the Bills actually have a little bit of promise. And, the most awesome thing about the season coming up here is that Brady has a 40, four game suspension at the beginning of the season and we play the Patriots within his suspension. It's the fourth game of the season for us. So we have a fighting chance of beating the Patriots right away. We, this is we awesome. Play, we play them later in the season, I believe. I haven't really looked at the Pittsburgh schedule too much, but it's definitely an easier schedule than last year. We had by rank the hardest schedule in the NFL last year. And yeah, you guys did. Well, yeah. so hopefully think- good things this year. 
I think our schedule might be a little bit easier than last year too. Um, just given that the Jets and the Dolphins aren't like the highest rated teams too. So we got to play them a couple times. So that's awesome. But, yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's not bore the listeners with the NFL talk too much. I know that <laughs> last year we had a comment where people were like, hey, can you speed it up a bit? <laughs> Get to the horse shit. Get to the horse shit. It's not like you're saying horse shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. NFL. Horror films, all the same shit, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> barely a difference. Alrighty. Um, JP, we got some news? Yes, yes, y'all. So uh, let's see yeah. here, guys. Um, where do you <laughs> want to start this week? Let's start with this. Um, Friday the 13th, the oh TV show is completely dead now. It's pretty much not happening. What? I believe there was a report recently that said that the CW is no longer focusing on that, but it could still be shopped to other networks, including uh, big streaming services. So I guess it's not completely dead, but it's probably pretty dead. Netflix will pick it up. <clears throat> I mean, that would be crazy. It, it would be better because you'd be able to actually have like nudity and shit. So what the fuck happened? Why is all, all of a sudden just dead? I don't know, man. It, I, I guess it just wasn't working out. It's probably harder than you think to make a Friday the 13th TV show on the CW. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems it just seems like it's more likely to be on something like Netflix. It's Friday the 13th, man. Yeah. We need titties. We need lots of gore. I mean, those are the essentials. So Netflix is the spot for it, man. Hmm. They're doing big things with TV shows right now, man. There's oh, a lot of good shows yeah. on there. I know. Uh, you know, something that I seen the other day was the American Horror Story season, what, six, I think now, was – dude, that shit I'm, – I'm kind of bummed that I never got into it as it was happening because every season it's a new world. You know, it's a new setting and, and things like that and uh, I don't know exactly what this one is but they're they're teasing it. There's like all these like subliminal like trailers that are coming out that like not revealing anything and, and things like that and people seem to be really into trying to figure out what the setting is going to be. And, and the last season, which I believe was Hotel, got like huge, huge uh, ratings and, and a lot of fans were really happy with it and stuff. So, I mean – it's crazy that 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 seems right. to be like the dominant force in TV right now. I already know what the setting's going to be, man. What is it? On a cruise ship. <laughs> That's actually better than purge on a ship. So. <laughs> Whatever, man. As long as it's on a ship, that's all good. Um, also, not more Friday the Thirteenth news. Actually, bloody disgusting. Dug this up with their detective skills. The California Film and Tele. Vision tax credit program has released information on 28 different films it is giving tax credits to, which is being done to help with job creation. Among these films was Platinum Dunes Friday the 13th, which received a credit of $5.6 million. Here's the twist. In order to keep these tax credits, the films have to shoot within 180 days of receiving the news. Films can, of course, drop out and reapply, but nothing is guaranteed. All the films that apply are eligible to the credit up to 25% of their production budget, so it's possible that Friday the 13th is on a high end of the spectrum in terms of budget, considering the Marcus Nispel's 2009 reboot had a budget of $19 million. Uh, th- So, yeah, basically, it was also announced that Breck Eisner is in talks to direct this film. He's the one that did the 2010 Crazies, uh, the remake. Mm-hmm. So... Um, 
that's interesting because if that's the case, if if they got that tax credit, they have about 180 days to start filming, which is under a year's time. So, uh, in if you would think that they would want to keep that tax credit of uh, what what did I say it was 5.6 million. Mm-hmm. So I would assume they would probably want to start shooting if the, you know if they applied for that tax credit. Are they really going to just let it? go they might but i mean that's pretty interesting yeah that is interesting actually as of right now it does have a january 13th 2017 release date which is not far away uh but you know it, it's possible that they might shift the february date uh january oh january is like uh, six january, months away yeah uh and but you know also uh, there is a ne- another Friday the 13th in October of 2017, which in my opinion would, would probably – I would rather see a Friday the 13th in October than January. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> Unless it's winter. Yeah. Even if it is winter related, I'll still rather see it. What if they did – what if they did uh, Friday the 13th like around – like set it in October time? <laughs> like like Friday the 13th during Halloween time? <laughs> oh, boy. That would be actually kind of cool. Yeah, not bad. But yeah, so it's not bad. I uh, hope you know it, this has been ongoing for years now about this Friday the Thirteenth. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't think uh, we probably reported on this. What more than anything? Uh, probably. <laughs> it it Honestly, just seems it, it's so crazy how much it, it just always changes enough to report on it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So after that, tells from the crypt is supposed to be airing the fourth quarter of 2017. Uh, So that's pretty interesting. It's going to be on TNT. Uh, It's going to be part of a like horror block of uh, about two hours. I believe Uh, there's going to be a half hour anthology show and then a one hour original show uh, with some shorts in between. So this is still going on. Yeah, it's, I guess it's, I mean, it's, it seems as if it's. I thought I just. Official. I thought I just heard the other day that it got officially canceled. Hmm. I, I could. Just, I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not a. I'm not a news junkie. So, but I swear, I saw someone mention or I read somewhere that it was like officially canceled. They weren't going through with Tales from the Crypt anymore. Hmm. Don't know. I don't know. I'm probably wrong. Don't don't think too hard. <laughs> I'm always wrong. Yeah, this could be cool though. I'm, I'm definitely interested in seeing what happens with that. Um, I, I like the idea of having a whole horror block on, you know, every week. Well, Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, it's like that's totally awesome, man. Yeah, there actually was a little bit of a rumor that the entire series is coming to Blu-ray. Yeah, I saw that too. Actually, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would upgrade. Honestly, I, like I, I, I wouldn't upgrade. I, you know what? When Twi- the Twilight Zone put out the Blu-ray box set. I didn't even upgrade, and that's my favorite show of all time. Yeah, I don't really think there's a. Re- well, you, you're not really big on TV on Blu-ray anyway. No, no, it's, it doesn't really interest me. But I mean, just even the, even the fact that Tales from the Crypt and you know the Twilight Zone are like my two favorite shows. Ugh, the Blu-ray box sets just doesn't really. I, I don't see the point of upgrading. Yeah, I, I do agree that it needs a Blu-ray treatment for the people out there who want it. For sure, for because sure. Because it's a popular show. But I'll probably stick with – I mean the DVD sets are, are, are great. Like I've always liked the way that they did the uh, Tales from the Crypt DVD sets. Yeah, I wish, they had a, 
I wish they had kept them all the same size, though. I think season one and two are different than, like, three to seven. If you look at them on the shelf, I think they sit differently. Uh, They're not completely flush. They're a little... Some of them are a little thicker, but the ones that I have are all the same height, I believe. Are they? Something's different about them. Well, the packaging is different on mine between part one and two, or season one and two, and, like, some of the later seasons. I think the inside packaging is slightly different. Like, the ones are slim cases, and the other ones is, like, a digibook. Oh, okay. I have all the... I don't have any uh, slim cases. Mine are all digibook style. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think the re-releases that were at Walmart for, like, ten bucks had... uh, the um slim cases oh you know what no that that is the difference man i got the first <laughs> the first two seasons are in the old digibook and then the rest are in slim lines i think i think that's how it goes yeah that's what it is should have broke them open a while <laughs> <laughs> apparently but yeah that's what it is <clears throat> do you own any of the films in, or the tv shows andy i do not i remember watching it though when i was younger on tv all the time i never grabbed them though for some reason yeah, you might want to get onto that, man. I mean, the, the, you can get them between like seven and ten bucks a piece now, and it really is the, a great show. I believe season three and two are probably the best seasons, um, but even like five and six have some cool episodes. Seven's the weakest, but I've actually never watched the set. I've watched it when it aired and during reruns on TV. Seven is by far the weakest. Seventh season I actually have still sealed. I've never actually watched it on DVD. <laughs> yeah, it's been years since I've seen them. Yeah, I always tell people who are like new to horror or who haven't really watched much horror to check out Tales from the Crypt because it's a good place to start. Yeah, it it really is, man. A lot of cool stories, but a lot of recognizable faces and things like yeah. that. So. And you know, you have a great mix of like straight horror ones and like comedy ones and like just gory ones and and ghost stories and and you know different different things like that. I'm surprised they never did. They ever do a clown episode? I don't think they did. Hmm. No, I don't think they ever did a clown one. Hmm. And Trilly Quist. Yeah, that that's a good one. That is that the one with Don Wrinkles? He's in that one. I don't know. I think I think he's in that episode. <laughs> yeah, shit. It's been awesome if I actually watched Tales from the Crypt. Makes me want to fucking watch it. Now I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get even further behind on my 96 shows yeah, now. Yeah, it's such an easy show to pop in. We actually fucking did an episode on the season one before. I forgot about that. I, th- I think eventually we were gonna start covering. You know, just kind of throwing in an episode here and there through season yeah, two. The only problem is that that episode didn't do that well. Yeah, you know, I guess it kind of killed the killed the flow for us. Yeah, but we one. still want to do Masters of Horror season two eventually. Oh fuck yeah, man! Yeah, completely. Uh, so yeah, after that we have Pumpkinhead. Apparently, Pumpkinhead is being remade, and it is being remade for like a big budget treatment by uh, the Saw franchise producer, who uh, he uh, ended up grabbing oh, the rights oh, to Pumpkinhead. What the fuck, man? <laughs> That's my feelings too. Please don't remake it. Because <laughs> all I can picture right now is shitty CG on the fucking on the monster. For sure. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine them spending all that time and you know creating this thing all practical. I, I don't know, man. I just why? What you guys write some fucking original shit? I'm so tired. It seems like we report on a fucking remake every week. Yeah, yeah. is it not true? Like, but, I mean, we did get a lot. Like last year, there I know was we like, constantly. You know, there wasn't that many, so they did slow down a bit. Oh, they they definitely definitely slow down a little bit you know we always complain remember how much i was like i was scratching my head and kind of going really maniac 
Like the remake in Maniac? Yeah, but that was like one of the biggest surprises ever. I know. And then all of a sudden I was like, what? That was really good. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, those type of moments. But I don't know, man. Pumpkinhead, I, I get worried on that level because it, there's a monster involved. And we know what happens with a lot of these big budget films. They just, you know, let's put some high level CG to this. Yeah. Well, I will say this. That, and this is the article that came from Bloody Disgusting, I believe. Actually, Entertainment Weekly did this one. So Peter Block, he's the guy who produced the Saw franchise obtained the rights to the Pumpkinhead franchise and basically he wants to bring back Pumpkinhead. He hired Nate Atkins to be the writer and this is what he had to say. Pumpkinhead is one of my favorite horror films from the late 80s, early 90s. San Winston sits on top of Mount Rushmore of iconic filmmakers because of his creature designs and that was the first direct and that was his first directing effort. The creature is great but the emotional story is wonderful as well. The updated version is going to pay homage to the original film, but only those who know the first film will catch it. There's going to be a lot of Easter eggs for people who know the original. I can't iconic shots, iconic lines that we're going to use. Uh, however, Block assures everyone that there is a purpose for the remake, stating we've enhanced the setting, we've expanded the characters somewhat, and we're going to give it a different kind of experience. Perhaps the biggest point that Block makes is that he recognizes the respect the horror community has for Stan Winston and practical effects, saying, I am a big proponent of practical effects. That was the great thing about the original. A lot of films I still respond to most today, it, it's because of the practical effects. We oh, think that it's sweet. going to be a nice, slow reveal, lots of scares and lots of action in the beginning and a great creature in the end, which everybody should be able to look and and say oh that's pumpkin head it's not like you're all, all of a sudden going to find that some amorphous nebulous G- cgi whispering <laughs> thing you're going to know that it's from the pumpkin head family lineage so i mean can you well, sounds say it better than that i mean he it sounds like he has his uh, fingers on the pulse of the horror community at least i mean of course we always talk about this that they're always going to tell us stuff that we want to hear but sometimes they actually mean it. And we've seen that before where people said we're going to respect the original and we're going to do this and that. And they've stuck to their word. I think of like the Evil Dead remake where they really used a lot of practical effects like they said they was going to. I don't like the fact that like he pluralized, you know, famous or, you know, some of the lines from Pumpkinhead. I don't mind like one line or something because we're we're already in the remake. We already know what we're watching. Yeah, right. True. We don't multiple you know, complete lines taken from the original film. Like, I mean, the odd Easter egg. A perfect example of a great one is uh, from, well, I'll just use the, the example that we were just talking about. Maniac is when Elijah Wood's character, when he kills that girl in the parking lot and he cuts off her head and the camera angle yeah. of basically the original Maniac poster yeah, happens. Yeah, that was right one of the coolest nods ever in it's film probably one. It yes. probably really is one of the best ones ever. And it's just, it's kind of subtle. You know, it's just like, oh, fuck that's so awesome right and it it's not a line it's just it's a it's a camera it's just awesome it's totally awesome like you don't need to overdo it like he's he's talking about like you know lots of these shadows i hope i hope they don't overdo with it and just be like okay why didn't you just remade the first film (laughs) yeah you know i agree that i don't want too much but i'm i'm gonna tell you now i'm a sucker for easter eggs to that that nod at the original like i i feel that it's essential for me to love like a remake sometimes but I was thinking of more along 
the lines of things like, oh, maybe have a character named Bunt or something like the like the original guy or, uh, you know, even maybe a dog named Bunt. You know, that's a nod to the original that people who've seen the original know the young kid Bunt. And if a dog was named that or something, you know, it's it's like it's a nice little connection or, you know, the pumpkin head uh, nursery rhyme that they sing. Like I would bring that back. You know, that's that's something iconic and cool. It's it, it, but I'm with you. I don't want them to be like saying the same fucking lines as everybody, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty bad. How do you feel, Andy? What do you think about what that uh, producer says? It sounds uh, better than it sounded when you first told me about it. Yeah, though, like but... <laughs> everybody was like, "Oh no, another remake." No, but no. Once you hear where his head's at, you're like, "Okay, this guy sounds like he actually liked the original. Like that's and it, like that's why he grabbed it." Yeah. I don't know. I'd definitely give it a shot, but it's not something I, I just need to be remade. You know, Pumpkinhead's iconic and should just stay how it is, you know? Yeah, I, I, I love Pumpkinhead. Um, I even like all three sequels a little bit. <laughs> I know you don't, Moods. No, I actually don't like any of the sequels. It's so crazy. You like those. I've, I've spoke my mind many times about part two. I think it's... Uh, I shake my head every time in that movie. <laughs> shake my head. <laughs> Fuck. But uh, yeah, three and four not great. But I don't know. Maybe that's what happened with this. You know, he was like he saw the original one, and then he kind of forgot about it because he checked out part two, three, and four, and he's like, "Fuck, we need to remake that movie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I can't see it being worse than the sci-fi original versions that they did. Oh no, uh, Blood yeah. Feud and uh, Ashes to Ashes. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, those are just bad, really bad. It made it like such a bad time too. I yeah. think that's when, you know, it, everything was going real shoddy in those days. Like, what, the mid-2000s, I think, or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that I, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, everything was just kind of really low-key, like, really bad CG. Oh, fuck. Terrible shit. Yeah. I, I haven't seen them in a long time, but... Well, I mean, now we at least know to put our Pumpkinhead franchise reviews on hold until the remake comes out. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps happening, right? I mean... If we keep holding out on this paranormal activity show, by the time we get to it, it's going to be like Children of the Fucking Corn. <laughs> There's going to be like nine of them. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Well, at least right now it does seem like they are sort of um, taking a little uh, step back on the uh, paranormal <laughs> activity films. But speaking of uh, releases here, we have Tales of Halloween there's a four disker coming out this thing is crazy looking this is a film that i actually didn't love when we watched it i I was a little disappointed with it but uh, this is going to come out september 13th and it's four discs it has a blu-ray dvd and cd um i don't know what the fourth disc is maybe bonus features Mm -hmm. or something but you know what man like i said before i think you might enjoy it a little bit more if you're not watching it on your laptop with (laughs) <laughs> watermarks of our fucking email in the in the middle of the screen yeah maybe, like, maybe. not in the corner in the middle <laughs> yeah. like, that's all you're that's... looking at i must have read 22 shots of moods and horror like a million times watching that movie but no i, I enjoyed it man I, it was funny that got posted on the on the facebook page and i liked it and i was like oh this is awesome it's finally getting released and then i was kind of scrolling back through and i scrolled back up and then i read it i actually read the post and i was like wait a minute it's a four disc edition holy shit <laughs> Guess what the tagline is? It's crazy. Trick or treat, motherfuckers. <laughs> That's the tagline on the Blu-ray. 
Awesome. You know, they thought about that for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Over six hours of chills and thrills. Uh, it's actually certified fresh. So Rotten Tomatoes actually has a certified fresh sticker on there. That's crazy. Yeah, I, th- I saw that on there. I was like, really? I seem wow. to be in the minority, but it seems like a lot of people like it more than I do. Mm-hmm. Mm. I haven't seen it. Like I said, man, I, th- I think once you see it on the big screen, you'll be like, oh, it's probably yeah, a little bit. I'll probably grab that blue. I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. So after that, we had a quite big announcement of recent uh, memory with uh, this new line coming out from Lionsgate. It's called Vestron Video. And Back to the good old Vestron VHS days, man. Yeah, their first announcement was fucking awesome. Chopping Mall. And Fuck yeah. it is, of course, Jim Wynorski's Chopping Mall. It'll be hitting Blu-ray September 27th. Let me ask you something, Andy. Yeah. Chopping Mall. Do you consider Chopping Mall to be a slasher film? I always have this argument with pretty much everybody, and I always, and every time Zach gets involved, I just, I, I just, I just <laughs> oh, yeah. beat it over the head. I just beat the dead horse with it, man. Like, because I, I, I'm constantly saying it's a slasher film, right? right? And he's I, just I, like, it's not a yeah. fucking, and he gets so pissed off, so I, I never drop it with him, right? <laughs> I, I do consider it to be a slasher. There's slashing elements into it, you know. <laughs> there is, man. It, the slasher is the robot. I agree 100%. There's, there's no goddamn rule stating that a slasher film has to be a fucking human doing yeah. the slashing. I don't know where people get this this well, notion that the actually there's has no to rules be... at all. Well, exactly. <laughs> Nobody's written any rules. But the <laughs> argument that most people are stating are they always seem to have this thing. It's like, well, they're fucking robots. And I'm like, who fucking cares? There's no rule. Well, it doesn't honestly, matter. But essentially, the movie plays out like a slasher. They are being hunted and picked off one by one by robots. <laughs> Huh. Correct. You know what's funny is like I would have never considered it a slasher had you not brought that up. Like I never once looked at it and thought of it as a slasher. See, I think what had happened was I think it was a few years ago I mentioned I, I think it was in a slasher video I made and someone said, Dude, Choppy Mall is not a slasher film and I was like, What do you mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> and I was like, It's got all the it's right there. It's just instead of, of a human yeah, it's instead of a human with a machete and a mask. It's a fucking robot doing the exact same thing that that Jason is doing, hunting down and picking people off one by one. Yeah. I mean – It's been a long time since I've seen Chopping Mall. If I'm and plus, body I love there. Chopping Mall so goddamn much because it's set in a mall too. Correct. I yeah, love that's, malls. That's the best part. <laughs> I love I've malls. Only, I've only seen it one time and I, I reviewed it for the Fright Tube way back in the day. Holy fuck. There's a name <laughs> to say. Yeah. Yeah. And so – This new line, this Vestron video line, has announced a few titles. The first was Chopping Mall. There's a lot of features. There's, uh, I believe, two uh, commentaries on there. One with uh, the director, actress, co-writer. Jim Wynorski. Yeah, Jim Wynorski. And then the second commentary has an uh, historian from Mondo Video and uh, Mm. Ryan Turek from Shock 2 Drop slash Blumhouse. And one thing that I got to say – is I love commentaries with um, like historians. They always yeah. they always talk well and they always tell you all kind of cool history and, and different things like that. So that's pretty cool. There's actually a third commentary on there too. So three fucking commentaries on this thing. Uh, there's like over five or six featurettes. Um, really, really, really stacked little edition. It's coming in a slipcover. There is a number. They're numbered. Uh, after that, the second title they announced was Blood Diner, which we covered God on. Damn it! Are you fucking serious? Viewers' choice episodes. 
I love Blood Diner. Fuck. I didn't know they were numbered. That's cool. Yeah, they are numbered. So uh, Blood Diner uh, also is coming out on the 27th. So both of these titles will be coming out at the same time. Uh, There's an audio commentary, and then there's a bunch of featurettes. uh, And basically, they also announced Waxwork and Waxwork 2, uh, Lost in Time. And And now, is that a double feature? It is a double feature, and it does come with a slipcover, and it's numbered 3. Originally, it came out, and the original um, press release had it as numbered 5, but I talked to the uh, press guy, and they said that they sent out different press photos with it, the correct number 3 being on the spine i see uh so this one will have a commentary with uh zach galligan on the first one a six-part featurette called the waxwork chronicles uh and uh waxwork 2 will have an audio commentary with zach galligan as well and uh theatrical trailer still gallery so there's actually features on this double feature which I, i was surprised at but one of the cool things about it is that waxwork one and i actually did confirm this with the press guy will be uncut yeah, awesome. Yeah, so the the hundred minute cut uh, is is going to be released. So those are the titles announced with cover art, but they also announced a couple other titles that do not have, uh, you know, the the actual or the um, you know, Blu-ray uh, stock images yet. Uh, and those titles are Return of Living Dead Three and Chud Two, Bud the Chud. So is Return of Living Dead 3 uncut? Yes. At least that's what the reports are saying. I haven't confirmed that. I mean, it would be pretty fucking stupid to release it not in the cut ver- or the cut version. Yeah, because, I mean, because everybody wanted the uncut version for so long. Exactly. Exactly. And I believe, doesn't the UK have a Return of Living Dead Part 3 uncut version? Probably. At least. I think they actually do. And it's it's like a really bad quality one, but it is uncut or something like that. So there's no need for them to release the cut version. Yeah. So one thing that is of note and, uh, somebody pointed this out on the Facebook group page when I did my video, return of living dead three is not an original Vestron title. Yes. And I knew that it was not released under the Vestron VHS label. So what that means, a lot of people had questions going into this, like saying like, well, that's kind of stupid for Lionsgate to limit themselves considering they own like all the stuff from Artisan and Trimark and just tons of films that they own uh, from other now defunct labels. So why yeah. would they only release you know, the Vestron titles that limits what they can release? And it turns out that that's not true. They actually are just kind of rebranding. They needed a, a label name, right? So well, they could have done had- something like Scream Factory did, which just random words, but they decided to resurrect a now defunct label and you know but vestron was one of the more more popular cult labels so why not use that name and then just incorporate all these other films into that label essentially vestron was a distribution vhs label back in the day so that's kind of what it is now but it's just for blu-rays it's not only titles that were released on vestron it's like vestron was back in the day where it just acquired titles and released them and produced titles sometimes so this is uh this is this is good news because they own stuff like Alligator, they own The Gate, they own Rawhead Rex, which people have been wanting, uh, The Stepfather Father 3, they own Slaughter High, Parents, uh, Class of 1999, I think they own Class of 1999 Part 2, The Substitute, uh, they own shit, 
there's a lot of contemporary films that Lionsgate owns. They own Blair Witch Project, Blair Witch Project Two. So I can well, that, totally see them doing. This uh, is good news. This is good news yeah, for. You know, <laughs> yeah, this is really good news for the trolls on the Screen Factory page because now once people find out that they own all these titles, these fans won't be asking Screen Factory to release them yeah. <laughs> anymore because they'll probably come out from Vestron. So now that David piece of shit or whatever the fuck well, his no, name no, is. No, 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 no. If you had, I actually noticed that David Steinman is blowing up the. Uh, Vestron page requesting titles now. What? Yeah, I seen him the other day. <laughs> Dude, that guy's literally everywhere, man. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> these are actually not the, these titles are these. This Facebook page is actually not official, by the way. I found that out the other day. Somebody else pointed that out to me. It's not the 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 only Vestron Facebook page that's out there right now is not a, an official page. However, the guy that's running it does have a connection to Lionsgate somehow. He must be on the PR list or something because he's actually confirming and denying things. So this guy either got himself a hmm. job in the future or you know <laughs> something because he just went out there and created this page or he already does work for him and just said that he didn't. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty crazy because he's confirming shit before it's out in the public. Uh, he, he confirmed the uncut before I did. So this is all coming from that page then? No. Some of it is, but some of it – I have a connection with the PR guys at Lionsgate right now uh, and they're confirming some of the stuff to me as well. You are Usually so way fucking, after that they confirm You are so him. big time, man. You're so big time. It's like, I got a yeah, connection with well, the guy from well, Lionsgate, man. What do you got? Barely. No, barely nothing. has a connection. Uh, the, guy, the guy totally – Totally seems annoyed <laughs> anytime I ask him something. So it's yeah. not like uh, it's not not like I'm doing anything big. No, uh, this is good news, man. This is really good news. It's just super that good name news. back in our lives, in collectors and in fans' lives, just the name Vestron. It's so cool to even say that again. And the the honestly the design of the cases look really cool. I like that they're numbered. Hopefully they don't overdo the amount of releases. Uh, because they have two slated for September and I believe one for October so far. Hopefully they don't overdo it. If they do two to three a month, I think that's fine. But usually oh, for their dude. success, they'll just start pumping them out left and right. <laughs> Anywhere from one to three. But, you know, I mean, just be like Screen Factory, man. You, you start to notice the quality defects and things like that. I mean, I think if they released a couple a month, kind of like, I mean, pretty much what Arrow still does. I mean, how many releases does Arrow have every month? Like, you know, three, I, I would four. probably say, yeah, about that. That's not bad. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I mean, Screen Factory for the last eighteen months, you know, to two years, has been releasing fucking anywhere from six to eight a month. Yeah, that's a lot. But man. they started out doing one or two. Oh yeah, I know. So hopefully, but there's so many titles that that Lionsgate owns. I mean, literally. When you would go to like Scream Factory's Facebook page or Era's Facebook page, they would – people would request titles and you know normally if they couldn't get it, it was because Lionsgate owned it. Mm-hmm. Lionsgate owns a lot of titles and they own a lot of titles that have been released but they own a lot of titles that haven't been released and tons of titles that have not made their Blu-ray debut yet. And I, the the very idea that we could see like the original cut of like Blair Witch Two, which is apparently like a lot different, would would be pretty interesting. Alligator is a film that needs released. 
Uh, they Rawhead Rex is a film that needs the Rawhead Rex man. Everybody requests that one all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a big seller. So yeah. there's a lot of films that that Lionsgate could release under this Vestron label, and I'm really stoked for this. Uh, they are a bit pricey now. Uh, their suggested manufacturer retail price is thirty nine ninety nine, which is about normal for most releases like most releases that is the original retail price but usually it'll drop about half which you know should be about twenty dollars but right now they're still up for pre-order at about 27 so hopefully they drop a little bit did they uh announce like how limited they will be no question (laughs) i'm glad you brought that up andy because um i haven't been able to get any any at all response on that and uh i'll try again but apparently the facebook page runner hasn't got a response on that yet as well hopefully soon we do find out but i'm i'm almost getting the sense that they're not really limited as in like they're just a limited series you know it's like who knows yeah how many times they're not going to put a number on heard the word limited used as like an adjective to describe like a collector's edition or or uh, you know, limited edition, collector's edition, ultimate edition, deluxe edition. You know, it's it's just another word. Like sometimes it's not actually limited, limited. Even though everything is technically limited, it, I don't think that. It, it, I'm hoping that these aren't like limited editions where they're only printing you know ten thousand or whatever. Yeah, but hopefully these are successful because there's a lot of titles in their in their vault that we could see if this is successful. It's very very exciting, man. Yeah. Because there's a shitload of titles in the in the in the vaults there that uh, that we've been waiting for. Yeah, especially yes. if they're gonna do them justice and take the time to do uh, transfers on like the hundred minute cut of waxwork and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, you know that that's huge for us. Andy, they they own a bunch of ex- obscure slasher films. Yes, they do. They do. So this should be interesting. Hopefully they bring those to the light. Yeah, I actually have a little bit of a series that I'm starting up on my channel where I'm going to discuss films that could be released uh, under this label based on rights. So I, I did one episode already. Went over pretty well. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on more of the ones that possibly can get released. Whereas the first video I did, it was just random. Just pick random titles, and most of them had no shot at being released. So <laughs> um, there was only two, uh, which was Rawhead Rex and The Gate. The Gate. Yeah. So uh, after that, we had an announcement of um, <laughs> the fact that I don't know if we did we talk about the fact that the film The Woods is actually Blair Witch sequel, like a Blair a direct Blair Witch sequel. <laughs> Uh, I don't think we brought it up. I don't think I knew. Yeah. So I know we talked about it in the past that that was the rumor because I remember months and months ago we brought it up that it was rumored. Yeah, but there was no confirmation on that whatsoever. But now it's actually official. Like there's actual Mm -hmm. foot – like one of the trailers actually directly mentions like Heather Donahue and stuff from what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does. (laughs) So what do you guys think of this? I wouldn't know. It's a hidden sequel. It was a hidden sequel. It was it was released. It was in production as the woods. It filmed as the woods. It was even the first trailer that came out was as the woods. And then all of a sudden, where it premiered or whatever at uh, like Fantastic Fest or one of those, it was announced that it's actually a Blair Witch sequel. Um, 
you know, I'll be honest, man. I'm not overly that excited about it. I know I'm probably in the minority here. Um, I, you know, I, like, I always li- I like Blair Witch. You're talking um, about I could, one of the greatest horror films ever made. You know, I mean, I had a really good experience with Blair Witch too. I, I was lucky enough to see it in the cinema, and it was it was pretty interesting actually because a lot of people. I remember going in there, and a lot of people thought it was real. Me right, too. I'm just you know, it was just, it was too. one of the, it was one of those moments where it was like, damn, man, this is really fucking cool. But I'll never forget that. It was pretty cool. That will never happen again for the rest of history. <laughs> no, I think that was right at the breaking point. It's kind of like where it was done. You yeah. know, 99, 90, 99, whatever it was. And you just, that, that was it. That was the last moment. Um, I don't know, man. Just over the years, I've just, I, I, I don't want to so much to say that like, I lost respect for it or anything. I still obviously really respect the film and what it did for what we have from, you know, the 2000s and the found footage genre and stuff. But I just, I just kind of lost interest and I've seen it so many times that I just, and I don't really ever think about going back to it. It's still on, scary on, though, dude. Honest it really to God, is. You know what the thing is? I haven't watched the Blair Witch probably in about five or six years now. Like well, it's we're been doing a, a trilogy show when the new one yeah. comes out. So I don't care what I, you say. I'm forcing you to do that. <laughs> it's funny. I just ha- I have a weird mental state because I'm like, you know, if I was to watch a Blair Witch film, I'd watch the second one. I, I know again I'm in the minority. Like a lot of people don't really care for that film whatsoever but i actually don't mind it i think it's actually kind of a little bit underrated so i think you do too don't you which one the second film the book oh of i love the second film and honestly it, i know i, uh, I appreciate it of go- hidden horror did a podcast uh as that is one of their underrated like uh letters oh, really? to be and there you go. brian on there actually broke down exactly the things that have been in my head that i never vocalized on why that film is so awesome and now I like it even more than I used to because it really is it's like deceptively good like if once you once you learn like a lot of people don't realize but they say this line in the film a lot of the times where it it's says that uh like like video doesn't like film lies but video doesn't lie or something like that they say something along the lines of that but if you actually watch the film everything that they're seeing on video is actually what happened and everything that you're seeing in the movie which is a film is actually what didn't happen like it's it's actually like really creative in terms of yeah yeah like it's, all, it's, all, it's almost like, like it's that. an alternate reality yeah there, there's so much stuff in that film that that is is so good that a lot <laughs> of people just don't realize because they just see on the surface this this weird sequel that came out but it's one of those films that people prejudge because they're like oh they made a sequel to Blair Witch you can't oh, it's do not that oh it's not found footage it's not the same it's like completely different You're like what the fuck is this it's it's totally one of those examples that people just don't give an honest chance to what about you they really don't I, I when it, I haven't seen this probably since it came out on VHS uh, I remember being disappointed though that it even I like the was first when one it came I out. was like because the the first one, literally, I was was ninety nine, so I was like ten, eleven years old at that time. That movie freaked me out, man. So much. I was so kind of bummed out that it wasn't the same style of film. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm a huge fan of both films. The original one, uh, I like Andy. I seen as a kid, and it, it freaked me out so much. Uh, I'm excited for a third one, especially since it looks like it's a direct sequel. From what I'm hearing, it's about the brother of the original Heather character. And it's getting good reviews. So it's a direct sequel to the second one? No, the first one. Film. Or the first one, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so good reviews. I mean, that's always a positive thing. Especially, but I, I wanted to kind of mention the fact of how they did this, where they hid it 
from the the fact that it was a Blair Witch sequel for as long as they probably could once people start reviewing it. I mean, you can't really hide it anymore, right? Uh, so is this kind of the future? Like, is this what we're going to see a little bit more is these films that don't get as much press early on and then just kind of come out? Because that recently happened with Stakeland 2. Like, there's a Stakeland 2 that was, like, already filmed and it's, like, about to be out. And Phantasm 5 as well. So it seems like that these sort of hidden films are starting to happen more, which I'm I'm for. I think that we over... It's going against the grain, man. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it, you know sometimes when things get overhyped, people are just like, eh, I don't really want to check it out. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, go against the grain. <laughs> so they're trying it a, a different way, man. Why not? Yeah, right. Why not? Yeah. I Why not let anyone know? Just pop it out there, and then you. I think the element of surprise here is what they're looking at. It's like, holy fuck! Look how look how amped people are right now. They're just like, what the fuck? That's so cool. Yeah. How do we not know about this? I mean. We report on stories and we're like, you know, part of the media type thing. We didn't know. You know, it's crazy. I think it's totally just, I think it's like the new style completely. Yeah. Go against the grade. I'm down. Yep. Personally, I do like it a lot better. I mean, there's nothing worse than hearing about something for like 14 years and it comes out and you're like, <laughs> oh, well, I'm actually so tired about hearing about it that I really don't want to check it out anymore. <laughs> yeah, you remember back in the day, like when we were kids, you know, definitely moods, but even me and Andy, when we were kids, like you didn't even really know about a movie until it was like about to play in theaters, you know? Yeah. There's no internet to tell you about things. You might Fuck read about me. something in a magazine, but then it was like two years later when you next heard about it. <laughs> I miss That's those exactly days how because was. you don't have to build – there's a problem with the way things are overhyped now and they're built too long. The, you, as soon as a film is announced, we know about it. Or as soon as a film is greenlit, Goes we know about it. Goes into pre-production. Pre-production, we know about it. Uh, and yeah. then post-production, we hear more about it. Then we start seeing stills and then we start – all the cast is announced and, and it's just it's it's never ending. Well, by the time it gets released, you feel like you've already watched it. <laughs> yeah, that's why that's one of the reasons why we stopped watching trailers, right, Moons? Exactly, hundred percent. That's directly the exact reason why we stopped. Now, Andy, you still watch trailers? Did you see the trailer? I did, and uh, to agree with you guys, say that trailer does give quite a bit of the movie away. <laughs> uh, you, you see a lot in it. Oh, uh, this one so. fucked it up too. Yeah. Oh wow! Are you are you excited to see it though? Oh yeah, I'm still excited to see. I don't. That doesn't really bother me too much. But like, because when you go to the movies, you don't really ever see what they show on TV, anyways. I swear it's just all <laughs> extra footage. <laughs> Sometimes, but in the case of like Insidious Two, it really affected me. <laughs> yeah. But okay, cool. So uh, the last little bit of news here is that um, this was announced a little while ago, but I don't, I don't think I. Did we talk about this? Like, I can't remember what, because we don't record weekly now. So, uh, apparently, Phantasm, the box, there's going to be a, like, they announced that uh, WellGo USA will be distributing it. I believe that we did talk about this. Did we? Yeah, because I, I was worried that WellGo was actually going to be doing the transfers, but apparently it turns out that, what, Coscarelli and some other person, they're working on the transfers themselves. Yeah, I think J.J. Abrams. Yeah, and J.J. Abrams, and then Welgo is just distributing it. So that that's good. That's good if it's going down like that. So yeah, and apparently there is some confusion with 
the actual second film because they along with this announcement of Phantasm Five, uh, they they mentioned that it's potentially like they they said that they're doing a box set, but they like Shout Factory. Oh, they're not gonna fuck around and go one, three, four, five, are they? <laughs> <laughs> like everybody already owns that goddamn Screen Factory edition, anyways. Just slip it in there. Watch they'll create this box set where there's actually a spot for it. <laughs> well, uh, apparently, originally <laughs> when it was reported that the films were like it was reported that Phantasm one, three, four, and five, and you know were all going to be released on Blu-ray in both individual and a set format and then in like parentheses it said i believe it was entertainment weekly said that well go usa has uh stated told us that phantasm 2 will also be included but it was it was separate but apparently now i think that that's sort of been i guess unconfirmed I'm not really sure. It's very confusing. There's not a, a clear cut answer, well, but it's, it's apparently know. Phantasm Two is still owned and in print by Shout Factory. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't think they own it. They're just basically renting the rights. But yeah, the well, but their contract. But yeah, they still the have tech. Yeah, they still technically have the rights to it right now. So that is an issue. I mean, I guess I I think the way. They would have to go to Scream Factory to sublet the rights or something like that. I, and that's even I, if Scream Factory would allow it or Scream Factory's rights are about to expire. But I honestly don't think that's the case. Like I'm I'm getting more of the vibe that it's Phantasm 2 is not going to be included. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling that too. You think that we'd really go after Shell Factory and be like, hey, man, uh, let's work out a deal to sublet the rights so we can release this. But then again, if they do that, then that box set's going to go out of print super fast. You think? Yeah. Why? Well, because if they include part two, they're not going to be able to print it up anymore. If they sublet the rights? Well, no. Because it'll expire. Like, I mean, they'll probably do up a contract that's really short. And that's it. Because, I mean, when is, when is Screen Factory or Shell Factory's rights coming up on Phantasm 2? I don't know. It's like sometimes – like – it's weird with Shout Factory because, like, they still own those like Roger Corman films from like ten years ago. <laughs> so, like, I don't, I don't know. It, I guess, it depends what their deal with MGM was. You know, Shout Factory is pretty interesting. All the films that they've acquired or that they've got the rights to and put out because nothing has actually been out of print except for I think for a brief moment, Life Force was. No, Life and Force, the collector's edition, is out of print. You can only get the version with just the film. Okay. And so that's the only that's the only one. But like out of all the films that they've released, those, that's, that's the only one. That's not the only one. Also, the Vincent Price Collection Volume One. Oh, should have forgot about those collections. Yeah, but, but those yeah. are the only two. I mean, out of knowledge. like two hundred and something films or two hundred fifty films they've released, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, but it's also been since two thousand twelve, and it's only been four years. So I mean, that's a, that's a long time. Yeah, but usually it's like these five year type deals. It seems. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So maybe next year we'll see a bunch of shit go out of print. Well, I think the collection, the Halloween 15 disc also might have went out of print. Yes. It did? Yes. Okay. You know what? It actually did. Because I, I remember... 10 disc. I, I, yeah, I remember having this conversation with, uh, I think it was, I think it was actually Jeremy because he's like, oh, do you know the Friday the 13th box that's out of print? And I was like, what the fuck? And then we... 
started talking about the Halloween one, I think, too. So yeah, all those big ass box sets are out of print, man. Hollow. The thing is, Friday the Thirteenth will get re-released. Like I'm not, I'm not sweating the fact that I don't own it. <laughs> oh no, it'll get re-released because, and then maybe they'll put the fucking name on the spine. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe release part nine uncut. Not yeah, that that's R-rated. that's the main reason I didn't grab that box is because I didn't feel like it was. Oh, because you know what, you're actually a big fan of part nine too, so that must have just really ticked you off. Yeah, because the uncut version's way better. <laughs> no, it is. It really is, man. You can only watch part nine in the uncut version because when you watch the edited one, it's fucking it sucks way worse. <laughs> it's so lame, dude, because they cut out like all the good kills, and that movie has a crazy body count. What is there, twenty four kills? I actually don't know, but it does have some good kills, like the sleeping, uh, the tent kill. That's like one yep. of the best kills in the franchise. No, I mean it's really the best thing about the film. The 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 movie's a mess. It really is a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah. You have to be honest. And that was a mess. <laughs> it's messy, but I I think that it's not as much of a mess as everybody says. <laughs> but it's kind of funny. The body count's so high in that film. I think there's a kill like every. It's something like three minutes. There's, I looked it up one time. It was crazy. It was like every three minutes in the film. In time that there's a fucking kill. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. So. so that, like, you know, Phantasm 5 and at least uh, 1, 3, 4 are, are going to be hitting Blu-ray later this year, uh, which I know we'll all grab. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be covering Phantasm 5 on the podcast when we can see it as well. For sure. Yeah. Fucking rights, man. And I believe that is the news. That is all the news. Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was uh, a lot more than it actually was. I think it just went on for a while. Yeah, that's <laughs> normally the case. <laughs> Good old fucking news. All right. So jumping into Mood Swings here and uh, the new releases, the DVD and Blu-ray releases for August 16th of 2016. That's pretty close to 616 in there, I'm sure, somewhere. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I didn't really want to report on these ones, but I'm going to mention them because they're kind of cold and stuff, but nah, fuck it. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to bother. I just digress. I digress. <laughs> um, first up here for the releases is a film that I'm actually quite intrigued about because I remember reading about this a few months ago. And um, because Ruggiero Diodato's name was uh, attached to it, I was like, "Oh shit!" And then I and then I learned that Unearth was releasing it. It's called Atros. Um, I believe the translation is atrocious, and it's being released, of course, by Unearth Films. It's a Spanish. It's a Mexican film uh, that Ruggiero Diodato, I believe, is producing, and uh, it sounds fucking awesome. It sounds really good. So that one's coming out. Really curious to check that one out. But, I mean, you don't see Ruggiero Diodato's name on too many things these days. So that's always nice to see. Um, next up here, we got a film called Lake Nowhere. And this is being released by Brink. Brink's a very strange label. They re- they release some really oddball films. This one looks interesting. It does look interesting, actually. I like the uh, the Fangoria quote. A little slice of heaven for the fans of vintage bloodfests. And it's mm, what do you think it is? Is it like a Bigfoot it, film or no? It's a it's a like a throwback slasher. Is it really? Yeah, it's shot like it was shot in the eighties. It has like eighties look to it and everything. Oh fuck me! I thought it was like a fucking Bigfoot film. <laughs> I thought it was like I thought it was like some kind of Bigfoot creature shit. Oh, that's that's even more exciting then. Cool. I like those throwback films. So many good ones. Actually, our boy Derek just made one of those throwback top ten videos and. 
I thought that was a good idea because I never had that actually, you know, even written down or anything. Did you watch his video? I did. It was cool, man. I mean, a lot of the picks were, I wouldn't say quite obvious, but a lot of, they were just, it was good. It was just a good video because they, 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 those all belong to be on there kind of thing, right? So, Correct. um, very cool. I like those, those 80s, 70s throwbacks. Very cool stuff. Uh, next up here from Arrow is Microwave Massacre. <laughs> it's a movie that, man, I, I've seen a couple times and it is just so, it's one of those films that falls perfectly into the category of so bad, it's good. It really is. It's so much fun. There's some funny ass moments in this film. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. You guys were talking, I think, in the group text or whatever about how fucking ridiculous the microwave was. <laughs> like the size of it. <laughs> yeah. That shit is so retarded. It's great, man. But microwave. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know that was coming out already. That makes me even more. Dude, you're, <laughs> you're, you're busy. You're <laughs> on campus right now, man. You're super busy. Yeah, I got to check that out. Yeah, you're going to hate it. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up here from Screen Factory is uh, Session 9. Session 9 is coming up from Screen Factory. And this is actually a film I did not pre-order. That is right. The completest. I – no, no longer anymore. I'm not, I'm not bothering upgrading Session 9. I have the DVD. Yep. And I'm just like, what the fuck is the point? I, I'm just I'm not doing it. It was a good run. It was a good run, and I'm not. I did not order this. I'm not going to buy this. So uh, I do like the film, but I have the DVD, and that's good enough for me. Uh, next up here, we got the complete seventh season of The Vampire Diaries. Did I just say seventh season? <laughs> seventh fucking season? What the fuck, man? Most shows nowadays run like four or five season tops, and this one's like going seven, going. Fuck, man, we got about 14 more to go. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, man? I've never seen it. Have you ever seen the show, Andy? No, it's it's uh, what Zach likes to call chick flick type thing. Is that, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard about it before. But didn't, he, didn't he make the comment one time that that was basically the Lost Boys in TV format? <laughs> I think so, <laughs> Fucking, what an asshole. <laughs> uh, next up here from Kino, we've got uh, – man, I love the cover art on this film, man. Starring Shelley Winters, which I love her. She's so creepy and just creepy. Um, whoever slew Auntie Rue. <laughs> like the strangest title, but I love the cover art. Yeah, the cover art's yeah. awesome looking. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. Have you seen that film? No, I've never seen it before. Never seen it, and it looks it looks cool. I know Zach has seen it. He said it's nothing like the cover. That's <laughs> 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 so a little deceiving. But uh, yeah, whoever slew Antiro looks cool. Anyways. I, I mean, if that I, I was, I'm kind of bummed about that. I thought it was going to be a film about a maniac going around meat cleaving teddy bears. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't, that, just, <laughs> that was good that, that would be the most ridiculous storyline ever but fun i guess uh next up here from wild eye and this cover is just i don't know what it is it's cracking me up every time i look at it but it's called the house on cuckoo lane and it's got these heads on either side of these stairs leading up to this house that looks like psycho and it's I, there's something about those covers is so stupid <laughs> I love it. It's great. Um, I believe actually Derek just got this in the mail to review, but again, I was like, tell the story. I got kicked off Wild Eyes <laughs> via the list. So, uh, whatever. The house on Cuckoo Lane, probably shitty. Uh, this one right here, man. Um, I don't know who's actually releasing this one. It is a film called Restoration, uh, released by Uncorked Entertainment. I haven't had one from Uncorked in a while on here. Um, what does that cover art remind you guys of? Mm. Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, a little bit. 
Yeah, like the house on top of this thing kind of thing. Huge fucking skull. I don't know what the hell this is, but the uh, tagline, Home Sweet Hell. So I don't know what this is about. Who knows? Kind of, I actually kind of like the cover art. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I like skulls. Uh, and then next up here, we got one from Wild Eye also, and it is called Sharkenstein. <laughs> That's right. I did not fuck the title up. It is actually called Sharkenstein. Oh, and right. it is typical Wild Eye cover. The shark actually has the bolts through its head with lightning bolts hitting the bolt. It's just, it's so retarded. It really is. But can't wait to see it because it's going to be terrible. I'm yeah, really I'm not. <laughs> God, like my shitty shark falls in. <laughs> Check this out. In two weeks, Vinegar Syndrome is releasing the incest porn film Taboo. How about that? You guys know I what that is? It's no. porno about incest? Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. It's, it's on the page, the page that we use. And I was just like, what the, what the hell is this? <laughs> oh my God, that's gross. Uh, and then last up here, we've got one, which I don't, it doesn't even tell you the studio in here. It says ladies of the house, which is the title of the film. Ladies of the house. Um, this one actually looks kind of, kind of cool. It looks super sleazy, man. Um, I don't know, man. Here's, here's the, the little synopsis grindhouse film with pinup flair. Ladies follow a guy's night out as it turns into a bloody fight. For survival when three men become trapped in a house of a malevolent woman with gorgeous dresses, sinister minds, and cannibals' appetites. Which film was this? <laughs> it's called The Ladies of the House. Oh. Huh. Who's yeah. releasing that? It doesn't tell me. It, it literally just it, – for studio, it says uh, Ladies of the House. Hmm. Okay. So that's kind of disappointing. So I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. It looks sleazy as all fuck, though. It looks awesome. So – yeah, and that is going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for August 16, 2016. And uh, so my my release of the week. You know, I was I was laughing about this earlier, and I was like, what the hell do I even do <laughs> for this, man? But the well, only film the, – what's that? The, the only one that you truly can justify picking is American Ninja 3 Blood Hunt. American Ninja 3, yeah. Well, that's how I started out with this. I'm like, should I even say? Yeah, for anybody that cares out there, American Ninja 1, 2, 3, and 4 are coming out from all of films if you're into those type of films. They so. have special features, guys. They do? Yeah. There's like wow. commentaries and shit on them, <laughs> like featurettes. I was like, whoa, when, do, uh, when does all of do features? Are they new or are they the ones ported over from the old DVDs? I didn't know there was old DVDs or there was features on them. <laughs> so it could, it could, <laughs> yeah, easily, there's definitely, these are not films that I am very familiar with modes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Michael Dudikoff. Oh yeah. And one and two, he's awesome. Ah, uh, and one and two and four and four. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. I've actually never seen American Ninja four. I'm not going to lie. So just didn't really know that. I feel like a lot of people in the world can say that exact statement. <laughs> It's not, it's not uncommon to say that. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Um, so for the release of the week for myself, um, the one I would say that you need to pick up this week is, I mean, to be honest, anything that Ruggiero Diodato's name is attached to, I just, I get curious about. Plus it's from Unearthed Films. You got to go with Atros, which is translated to Atrocious. Um, it is a Mexican film. So JP, you got to pick up this one. You know, <laughs> it's probably at least half good. 
Oh. <laughs> 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 but uh yeah, I, I'm going with that one right there. So it, it really does actually sound kind of pretty cool. So, yeah. and it is. I mean, this one right here, uh, you know, Unearth likes to put out these three disc editions, and then they do have like a standard edition, which I do like. You know, they're not limited or anything, but they have. It's pretty expensive for the three disc, but this one right here is a three disc. I'm sure that one disc will follow after, but so you will have a choice. You'll have a choice. Huh. So, is uh, did violent shit come out yet? Violent shit, I believe, came out last week. Yes, it came out last week. Huh. Officially. In the US. I think it doesn't come out until next week in Canada or something like that. Well, it's probably going to be late with everything because I still haven't even got a screener for that. Oh, you actually had a screener for that? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Cool. That's that's called Epic's new company. Yeah, I pre-ordered that fucker. So. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, there's some shit coming out this month. Man, there was actually a film last week that came out called Revenge Porn. <laughs> hmm. Doesn't that just sound so awesome? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> just like the name Revenge Porn. It's crazy. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, honestly, man, next week I'm really looking forward to what, one, one Arrow release. One Arrow release that's coming out. That's pretty awesome. I'm really looking forward to Taboo. Just saying. Taboo? <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, it sounds kind of disgusting actually it is kind of disgusting it's a 1970s it be- porn film that that is all about like some mom what does it say it says okay let's let's go and read this description here <laughs> uh, when barbara scott's husband leaves her blaming her frigidly for destroying their marriage she's left alone without a source of income and charged with taking care of their teenage son paul feeling vulnerable she turns to her friend Gina, who opens Barbara's eyes to the secret world of suburban swingers. But as the erotic <laughs> tension grows, Barbara get, begins to fantasize about her f- handsome son. Oh, boy. One of the most significant <laughs> and controversial films ever made, Curtis Stevens' Taboo, became one of the biggest hits of the 1980s, catapulting its star, Kay Parker, for international fame. Newly restored from the rare 35mm vault elements finisher syndrome, Probably presents the landmark piece of underground cinema on Blu-ray for the first time anywhere in the world. With, check this out, two brand new commentaries. One with lead actress Kay Parker. <laughs> Listen, that girl has that woman has to be old. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Because uh, she's playing a the... mom. Oh, she's seventy-one. She's seventy-one. <laughs> <laughs> and she's gonna be doing a commentary over her porn movie that she made in the eighties. <laughs> Dude, I would love to hear that commentary. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, who knows? You, maybe you maybe she's still doing now. porn. You maybe she's still doing porn. Oh, Jesus oh, God. God. You can Gilles. you can pre-order it now for the price of twenty nine ninety eight on Amazon. Damn. Yeah. I'll add that to my cart right away. <laughs> I bet Zach is buying it. Zach. I don't know what I don't know what took you so long, Andy. I already did five minutes ago. Oh man. Listen, there is one, two, three, four commentaries on this thing. Too Jesus. new and too old. <laughs> that many people want to talk about this fucking thing. I guess, man. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, man. Um, let's move on. Uh, do we got some voicemails? <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, you, you 
because that was a little jab at Dave Z from Exploding Heads. I was listening to his Sleepaway Camp uh, podcast recently, and he would go to play a clip from the movie, and he'd be like, hold on, I got it. Just wait a second. I'm, it's coming up. <laughs> 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 Which you know, Moods, that that happens to me a lot, and then I, but I usually edit it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That definitely uh, happens. And that voicemail, Jesus Christ. What was that about? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I was hoping that you were going to know. <laughs> Sounded like man, a bad hey man, cheech. Hey, man, can you give me <laughs> the synopsis on that film? <laughs> on that voicemail, I mean? Andy, did you catch anything in there? Oh, I know. Yes. It was a bad, like, Cheech and Chong impersonation. <laughs> he asked something about being high and making a movie. <laughs> yeah, I believe he wants to know, is there anybody that we know or think was high when they made a movie? So the only – I think I'm pretty sure Toby Hooper smokes a lot of pot and I think he did when he made Chainsaw 2 as well. I know John Carpenter was pretty drunk when he wrote Halloween 2. Uh, I'm sure David Lynch is on all sorts of shit. <laughs> well, that was like, kind of my pick. I think David Lynch is on – he's not smoking, man. He He's on some serious hard drugs when he does his <laughs> films. Um, I would assume anyways because I – how the hell could you ever create something like that just sober? You can't. Yeah. You just literally can't. But I know Roger Corman took acid to prepare for the film The Trip, the directing job on The Trip, which is about acid. So method directing. <laughs> yeah, the actor did it too. Just, to, <laughs> just That's to know. That's interesting. You watch the features on it. Was, was there was features on that? No, I don't think there was. There might well, was there. I don't know. I got that information from something. It might, it maybe had features. Either that, or I found it on the trivia section. <laughs> hmm. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. What about you guys? You know anybody? Uh, I actually don't really know. Or I mean, at least I can't think of anybody. I'm sure, there's a million of them though. Andy? There's, there's uh, got to be. Well, I'm trying to think, who did drugs make a movie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's probably definitely some performances that you're like, oh, yeah, that guy had yeah. to fucking got high before he did that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I know that in 
Holliston, Joe Lynch actually drank like nine cups of coffee during that one scene where he's at the coffee shop drinking coffee. If that counts. <laughs> well, technically it does. Caffeine's a drug. Yeah. It's a legal yeah. one. So. Yeah. yeah. True. True. All right. So let's move on to the next voicemail you, here. But, you know, it's funny. You honestly just don't hear about these stories a lot about these directors. I mean, basically, we could just come up with answers. It'd be all speculation. But, I mean... You don't hear about a lot of those things, except for like the more famous ones like Carpenter writing Halloween 2, Drunk. Yeah. You know, uh, well, like a Stephen King in the 80s. I mean, obviously not directing, but. Uh, oh, he was well, high on coke when he directed uh, Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, he, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, well, he, you know, he wrote a lot of his novels in, in the early 80s and stuff, and he doesn't even remember any of it. Yeah, so. yeah. There's a. I, I believe he actually said that there's a few novels that he literally doesn't remember writing. Well, he wrote. I think I'm pretty sure he wrote Pet, Pet Cemetery. Well, he was really high and fucked up and, and shit Cujo like that. As well, Cujo. Yeah, a lot of those ones that came out in the early '80s and hmm. pretty interesting. But yeah. so he directed Maximum Overdrive, high on coke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah. He almost got a guy killed too. <laughs> that's right. Fucking. Oh, that's totally true. Guy that's lost right. an eye on set of that film. That's right. That's right. I knew that shit. See the shit that comes back. I can't remember everything, man. Yeah, yeah. Shit. It's All good right. Stuff. Let's, let's move on to the next voicemail. We have one from Lawrence. Hey guys, Lawrence. I was watching a few new trailers and I noticed there's some pretty interesting horror films coming out soon, like Don't Breathe and Before I Wake. I was wondering what your thoughts were on these films, since they haven't come out yet. And, did either of you, well, any of you, if you are not a member of the Exploit Head podcast, on for this one, have any of you seen, uh, Lights Out? I saw that recently, and I really loved it, and I wanted to get your perspective on it. Anyway, have a great night, guys. For, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there at the end, but <laughs> uh, we don't watch trailers usually. No. Uh, I actually did see the trailer to Lights Out when I went and seen the Purge election year because it's kind of hard to avoid trailers when you can't really go anywhere when they're playing. Uh, so, yeah, it actually looked really good. Apparently, it's about a blind guy. There's a bunch of thugs who break into his house, but then he, like, locks them all in, but he's blind. But he's, you know, so now it's like he's real crazy and like real hardcore. So everybody's trying to be like quiet and like he's like pretty much like a, the worst person to fuck with. <laughs> so it actually looks really, really good. Hmm. It does. You seen that trailer, Andy? I have. Andy Interesting. Does. Looks really good. I know the film, obviously haven't seen the trailer yet. Um, but the other one, Before I Wake, I think that's a... Um, all I know is I've seen the cover art for it, and I, the cover art I was not intrigued by at all. And then I saw what it was rated. It was PG-13, and I lost a little more interest in it. <laughs> not not going to lie. So I just kind of wrote it off. And it was like a Supernatural-type film or something like that. Um, as for Don't Breathe, uh, that's actually one that I'm anticipating the was most don't this year. Lights out. I can't remember. I'm that's Don't bad. Breathe. Okay. The, one with the old guy. The yeah, guy. yeah. That one, that one looks cool as shit. I've seen the yeah. trailer for Lights Out, too. I love these fucking storylines where, you know, someone breaks into a house and then, and it's just not what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, 
I, I like it's not like the most original storyline, but it does look cool. Plus, it's a don't movie, so that intrigues yeah. me. <laughs> it is a don't movie. Yeah, so this one I've really had this one high up it on my list. It looks really to see, suspenseful. So. I, I think that yeah. now we're starting to see a lot of the the cream rise to the top. Like this, this seems about the time where like a lot of the good films are going to start coming out. So thank God. This yeah, because this, this year hasn't more. been super good. I mean, everything that I saw at the cinema was pretty decent. There's been some good films this year, but I mean, compared to last year, it's. So far, I mean, through the first half of the year is not comparing whatsoever. You there was a lot more though. films that I've seen last year in the first half of the year. The, some of those films made my top 10, you know, or top 20, whatever. Um, this this year so far, like I think I've seen close to 40 films from 2016. And I can't imagine really any of them making my top 10. Huh. See, <laughs> it's really getting sketchy. I'm just like, what the fuck? There's got to be better movies this year than the shit that I've been watching. So there's a couple that I've seen so far that most likely will make my top 10. And honestly, this year I've seen more films that I liked than last year at this time. But you got to remember, I, did, I had seen like three films going into. No, I, I think I've seen like six films going into, I believe, uh, November of last year. So mm-hmm. I really watched like 50 films in like three months to prepare for uh, that show, the the end of the year show. Yeah. So you know, but this time I've actually seen. I, th- I think I did a count the other day. I think I've seen about fifteen so far, which is I'm way ahead of what I was last year. So I got I got to do some serious catching up though. I mean, like I haven't even seen all of Holidays yet. I've only seen the first two stories. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's like a bunch of films on Netflix I haven't Have seen. Have you seen yet. The Witch? Yeah, I love. Actually, I forgot about the witch. Yeah, the witch I loved. The green I loved room. The witch. I have not seen the green Conjuring room. Conjuring so. two. Well, we know your story on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't get to see the Conjuring. Cloverfield Lane. Nope. See, so there's some. No, yeah. and there's like a bunch on Netflix. I still want to see Baskin. I mean, that looks pretty fucking cool. And um, what's the other one? Don't bite. Looks really good. I heard it's good. So or bite. Did I say don't bite? Yeah, you said don't bite. <laughs> Did I? Because I was looking at don't breathe. <laughs> I meant bite. Um, yeah, and then actually, actually, another one I really liked this year with was uh, Hush. I thought that was pretty cool. That was a good one. How, what, what's your count at, Andy? I've probably seen close to your Sam Elms, you about 15. Yeah, you, uh, Andy, you recommended Darling. Now that yes. one's on Netflix right now. I got, I got to check that out, man. It looks right up my alley. It's very kind of, you said it was artsy? It's it's kind of artsy because it's like shot all black and white and everything, but it's like a very like sixties seventies type film or movie. Yeah, that's right up my alley, man. I think I'm gonna like that film. So, as the best movie of the year I've seen so far. Oh really, darling? Yeah. Huh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, uh, definitely. We'll probably do another sort of um, top ten collaboration list as well. So um, make sure you start ranking yours to send us in towards the end of the year andy no doubt all right so uh let's move on here we got another voicemail this one's from the the homie rob i was just talking about when we took a little break you listeners didn't hear us but we were just talking about rob and how he's been helping us with uh he's been helping me with the uh ranking the ratings on the 22 shots page he's like kind of the official guy who's handling that now so thank you rob for that it it definitely helps me a lot in terms of like time management so uh thanks rob and uh here's here's a voicemail from good old rob from georgia hey guys rob from georgia here (laughs) you know quick question um remakes you 
know, me and Matt were just kind of chatting a minute ago, uh, a.k.a. the classic shift, um, about my uh, something to rant about video. Um, <laughs> the question is, is The Thing, John Carpenter's 1982 film, a remake? I would say it's not for the reasons that I, uh, I list in video. I don't want to list them all again here. You know, I just don't want to go over uh, over the timeline. But the question is, you know, is it a remake? I mean, when you consider everything, you know, in what John was attempting to do with that film and going back to the original short story and maybe only giving slight nods to Howard Hawks' uh, 51 version um, of that film. And so uh, I just leave it to you guys, uh, GP and Moods. Um, based what you know, I know maybe you haven't read the short story, but what you may know about the film, about uh, John's intent, um, is it a remake? And can we not call it a remake? I, I just don't think it is. Um, I know, <clears throat> you know, frame by frame, that definitely is a remake, but I guess maybe this question is a broader discussion of what is a remake? What constitutes a remake oh, and when a film's not a remake? So there you go. There's your question. And maybe you guys can have fun with this for a few minutes. Uh, a podcast time. Very important podcast time. So before I get put off, I just leave it at that. That's the question. And uh, sometime off in the distant future, maybe we can get that thing show going. And uh, other than that, I'll leave you guys be. And... Uh, can't wait to find out what the topic of the podcast will be when this voicemail drops. Looking forward to the next one. And uh, anyway, we played that perfectly. Have a great week. Out. Go Bills. Yes, <laughs> go Bills. Second time the Bills have been brought up on the show. All right. Listen, everybody, shut up. I'm going to tell you what a remake is, okay? Okay. You hear me? Everybody <laughs> yeah. listening? Okay. <laughs> the perfect example of a remake and trust me i've done a lot of thinking about this i've talked about it many times the the exact definition of a remake is tremors 4 <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent well the thing yes this has been a a highly regarded topic i think for years i i I've had people say the same thing to me. The thing is not a remake. Other people have argued for it. It is a remake. Um, you know what the thing is? It's a re of some sort. We've had these conversations hundreds of times on this, on the podcast, not specifically about the thing, but JP, you will agree that we have a very distinct, um, well, we have very interesting thoughts on the, just the word re something. Is it a reboot? Is it a recalibration? Uh, you know, reimagining. And that's the type of thing that reinterpretation. Um, I have always considered the thing to be more or less a uh, kind of a, just a remake in name only. It's it's definitely not a remake of Howard Hawks, um, you know, the thing from another world. It definitely is not a remake of that film per se. You know, so it it takes the basic idea, which is the title, and it incorporates, you know, or John Carpenter basically kind of does his own thing with it. Um, so what does that make it? Does that make it a remake? It's not a reboot. It's like a recalibration of that story, that interpretation of Howard Hawks' interpretation of the short story. <laughs> right? So essentially, you know, it's still related. 
so it's a re something remake maybe not i i don't agree that it's a full-on remake of howard hawk's thing from another world it's it's just a, it's a recalibration of the the source material and he took elements from that and made his own film i i, I really don't know how else to put it because it's definitely not a full-on remake i mean when you think of remakes in full i mean the first thing that comes to mind is something ridiculous like psycho yeah that's a fucking remake because they literally did a shot for shot. It's a remake of the original film. It, they just updated the film. Yeah, I mean, there's very few actual, like, it, remake as its purest definition. There's very few of them. Like, I guess yeah. Cabin Fever and Martyrs, I would consider both, like, actual, like, remakes, like, yeah. along the lines of yeah. Psycho. I mean, there's only one shot for shot that I know, which is Psycho, but, like, because the fact that Cabin Fever is literally the same exact movie with a few things switched around, and same thing goes for Martyrs with less things switched around. <laughs> uh, Those mean, are pretty much remakes, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> okay, so if you were to take Halloween and Rob Zombie's Halloween, to me that's more of a recalibration. You yeah. know, it takes it takes a lot of source material, but it adds on. It kind of recalibrates the story. It just it just kind of tweaks things. That's how I see the word. Like, yeah, that I see. Yeah, reimagining, recalibration, almost the same thing, essentially. I mean, I, I do see that. So, uh, recalibration that's... is like a more of a reimagining with like a reboot idea. Uh, like, I think that's kind of what they're going for with that word. I mean, each word kind of well, does it's, have it's open for interpretation. Yeah, it's open for interpretation. They're very close, though. Reimagining, I think reimagining, I think just adds a lot to it. I mean, I guess the Halloween remake i i i that, <laughs> getting all fucking confused here uh recalibration or reimagining falls into that category though for sure yeah, yeah it's uh you know the thing with the the thing and the thing from another world i've actually never seen the thing from another world so i can't even like really comment yeah, same on it. Here. <laughs> well the thing yeah. is the films are compl- they're so different there there's like the general idea is there but i mean if you were to put the film side by side they're almost two completely different films so what is the thing 2011? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. See, that's the thing with this whole remake and reboot and reimagination, recalibration. Oh, dude, it's just it, – but, you know, this is – Hollywood's created this this topic for us. Yeah, like – By doing the same films over and over again and confusing the shit out of people is what it is. Makes for good conversation. Yeah, um, like Tremors Four is like a re reimagining. No <laughs> way, no. The thing the fuck, it's is a, a prequel. prequel. The thing's a prequel. Yeah, the, the 2011 the, thing. Yeah, it's definitely a prequel. That that's how I've always seen it. Yeah, so. it's it has remake elements though. Like it definitely does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like a requel. <laughs> it's like a requel. Oh my yeah. god! You, did you just do that? I think I've heard that tossed around before. Requel? I've never heard that before. Sounds like a cough medicine. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it sounds like Requel. it kind of will get you fucked up, too. Yeah. Requel, so much better than Robitussin. Requel for a dream. That's our, that's our uh, slogan. Ah, uh, shit, man. I think we could do an entire show on remakes, remakes reboots. We did. <laughs> we did. It was called Burial Grounds, episode 
two or something. <laughs> I think we did, didn't we? <laughs> It'd be interesting to do it now, and I mean, even have someone like Rob on, and you know, and or whoever else wants to be on the show. I mean, it'd be an interesting thing to talk about. You know, just get every like a bunch of different people's perspectives on the words that are used and thrown around in this realm. You know what? What is what does those words mean to you? Because yeah. I mean, let, let's face it. These words are out there and we use them, but at the end of the day, when we really look at the word that we're speaking, do we actually know what we're saying? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have to have a clear de- – the problem the, – That's the thing. There's no clear definition. debate – when you have a debate on anything, the first most important step is to define what you're debating. What, mm-hmm. You have to define what it actually means. And exactly. so you need to define the difference between a remake, a recalibration, a reimagining, and a reboot. And then you can categorize each film based on that. Yep. Boom. <laughs> 100%. 100 so, I agree with that. Um, you know, I've had an, I've talked to Jason Lloyd a little bit about this, and I've talked to Brandon a little bit about something else similar, but. I thought that it would be a cool thing to do more like crossover horophilia for like all the hosts of all the different podcasts on there. Like, like sort of have a main network podcast uh, where it's like crossover, just certain topics or certain films where, where you just pull from the different hosts and get their sort of opinions on the subject or whatever. And it's just like a main big feed podcast with, you know, maybe monthly or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But one of the things that me and Brandon were talking about is having a tournament, a trivia tournament with all the different hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that's the, the concept of remake would be something to ask everybody to give their opinion on as well. Mm-hmm. And I want to host that. Okay. I don't want to be contestant. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want to be a contestant. No, I want you guys to fucking battle that shit out, man. Yeah, but your problem is you would never be able to host it because you'd never be able to be on the same time as the people competing. <laughs> well, man, we, we're gonna have to fucking work it out, man. You know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's move on to the next voicemail. <laughs> this is Tyler. Tyler. Sorry for the last message, um, but hi, I'm Tyler from LA, and my question is for you guys: since women are going to be taking over the summer. And uh, summer movies like Harley Quinn, Ghostbusters, and the Purge um, election year. What? Okay, which horror villain would you like to see get like a gender bend or like some sort of just like a switch gender? So like, I would like to see. I know this is in the works right now, but I would like to see like a female version of a mummy or um, something like that. Yeah. Um, I will think you guys thought on that. And my other question is, what if I was a TV show at work? Because um, I think that's a pretty good idea. So, like, every season can be, like, the new destination. So, like, the first season can take place with a train. Hmm. And, um, you know, the, the person has a vision. And um, in every episode... New people start dying. Well, well, like, not the new people, but, like, the people who were with the party, I guess, start dying. And every season can be something new and different. I think that's a new way to bring it back versus having movies because it's taking a really long time. I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Um, enjoy the show. 
I really enjoy the show. It's, it's a good show. And thank you. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I think it's a good show, too. <laughs> but so a couple questions there. Uh, Andy, let, let's go with you first. What do you think about a Final Destination TV show? When he was uh, explaining his idea for it, it instantly, uh, if I could talk, I thought of an anthology show, not not like a season long one, like of the same story, but like each episode a different way of dying. I think that work out better than a full long season of Final Destination. Yeah, I, yeah, almost like a thousand ways to die type. Thing. Yeah, that's that's what. Yeah, I was just gonna say a thousand ways. Yeah, cool. What about a, a gender bender? I, I kind of blacked out on that part of the voicemail. What was he? What was he? He's hear basically that. asking which, uh, like, what type of iconic like horror movie villain could you see having a, a gender role reversal? So, like, for example, he said like a female mummy instead of the male mummy that we're used to. Yeah. Oh. That makes sense. A uh, female, a female version of uh, Dracula would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although you that's know, kind of I mean, there there kind of was with Dracula's daughter, I believe. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I I think I would go with probably a female pinhead, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> really? Yeah. That, that I've seen a picture of one. With her boobs hanging out, and she was hot. So, <laughs> you know, it's interesting, man. When, when you talk about gender bending roles and stuff, we automatically assume that we have to change the male to a female. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that? Because males are better. No, it's just, it's. I think it's because males have predominantly more starring roles in these type of films. So, well, they're the, uh, they're the killer more often. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> exactly. But the first thing I thought of was, you know, the Resident Evil films. I have a guy in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just trying to fuck with the pot here. Um, no, I was thinking maybe I think it would be actually kind of funny to possibly have a female Ash. The kind of was <laughs> in a way, right? I mean, would you? You wouldn't even have to swap the name, actually. <laughs> exactly. What uh, was another one? Maybe like the stepfather, change it to a stepmother. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that could work. Yeah, I'm down with that. Um, I know <clears> people <throat> would probably say like a female Freddy or something. Yeah, I thought about that. I was like, ah. I mean, they try. Like, what about? Uh, they tried to attempt that a little bit with uh, Daniel Harris's character in Halloween. Four, I believe. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They quickly dropped that idea. Yeah. But- <laughs> How about this, guys? How about this? A female Angela from Sleepaway Camp. Get it? <laughs> Get it? <laughs> so, that's so she has a vagina at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody expect that's what's gonna happen if they ever remake that. Everybody's gonna expect the that fucking starring role, and then it's just it's like, wait a minute, she is an actual girl. <laughs> That fucking starring role, that starring role would be given to Jeremy. Oh! <laughs> All right. Bam. Bam. Yeah. Um. Final Destination TV series. I think that could work. Uh. I would rather see a movie if I'm being 100 percent honest, though. Because I like the movies. What about you, Moods? Okay. What was the question again? Uh. Final Destination TV show. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I don't really have a lot to compare to. You know, I was thinking, you know, the whole season thing, you know, with the American Horror Story seems to be working. I kind I of like that concept. It keeps it fresh every season, you know? Well, that's the thing, right? But, I mean, well, I never thought that a lot of these shows would work. You know, in, <laughs> yeah, in, you in, in full season length, you know, and they seem to be working. Listen, so if you why not go have final to pitch a show with moods and he says, don't, nah, that doesn't sound good. Probably go forward. <laughs> I'm fucking wrong. Like every single time. It's ridiculous. I do like, I do like Andy's idea though. of kind of like the thousand ways to die idea. Every episode. But the only problem with that is that, you know, you watch 10, 15 episodes. It might get a little stale. Yeah. Because it, it's it's a little bit repetitive. Um, but I do like the whole idea of like the season thing. You kind of, you know, Final Destination. I mean, that's pretty much what they've done with the films, right? It's the same movie over and over again. Just just think of the first film as season one. Yeah. Season or episode or uh, Final Destination two is uh, season two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same shit. You work that over, you know, ten episodes or whatever. I think it could work. I think it'd be actually pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's face it, man. They're 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 incorporating slasher films into full seasons. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's I still amazing. get to check out a full one. But. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I've heard that. Um, uh, what is it? What's the what, the one that Screen Factory just released? Um, slasher. Slasher. Fuck. Jesus. <laughs> it. Forget about Most that. Generic title ever. <laughs> yeah, it is generic, but I've heard nothing but good things, and that really blows my mind. That you know, it worked through a whole season. In a slasher, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I checked out Scream. I personally didn't think it was awful. I didn't really care for it too too much. Sheep, he liked it a little more than me, but um, a little bit more. Not yeah, much it, more it, it was. It, I felt it was a little drawn out. The ending was, oh, Jesus. But that's what I was kind of anticipating, and it kind of happened. But I don't know, man. I I think the Final Destination thing could really work. I think that's actually kind of a good idea. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, we have another one from Tyler here. Tyler. Hey, uh, Lewis and JP. This is coming from Los Angeles. Hey, guys. Whoa. What the hell happened there? Uh, okay, hello. Um, hey, uh, Lewis and JP. This is coming from uh, LA, and I have a question for you guys. So, I just came back from the Walking Dead experience that whole, um, at Universal Studios Hollywood, and it was actually, like, pretty decent, but it wasn't the longest thing ever. And my question for you guys is, um, what kind of attraction would you like, okay, so, like, what kind of movie would you like to see get turned into, like, a, a like, an attraction, like, a walking attraction? Mine would be, like, um, I don't know, like, The Purge, maybe, or something like that, like, like, a slasher. Uh, also, Universal has this event called Halloween Horror Nights, and it's, like, really... Uh, like top-notch uh, horror mazes based on like classic movies like Halloween and The Exorcist is coming this year. And I know Moose doesn't really like this one, but Krampus is to be rumored. So I want to talk about that. He's doing a good work. Sounds really good. All right, cool. So um, yeah, I, I'm not huge into like haunted houses and like attractions and stuff, just because there's not a whole lot around here. But if I was going to create one out of my imagination with an unlimited budget i'd be like yo let's let's make a cube like like let's do cube oh that's a cool that's a cool idea that's a good idea yeah yeah i mean it's 
that was like instantly scary, creepy. right? Yeah. <laughs> you get lost in that bitch. That is, that's fucking, oh, that just blew my mind. That's really good. Even if you scaled it down a bit, you know, like just like a, like maybe half the size even, could kind of work, maybe. <laughs> All right, uh, Moods, what about you? I don't know, man. It, I, honestly, if I was to like, you know, come up with an idea for one, I would have to go with something I personally love. And I think I would want to make like a huge haunted house, a huge attraction just based on all on Fulci films. You know, <laughs> just everything to do with Fulci, I think. You know, you can incorporate so many different type of films, but it'd be like the Lucio Fulci, haunted house. I, I don't know. I, I That's what I would like to see. So I think it'd be fucking cool, man. You know, you're kind of rolling through and all of a sudden this body just kind of pops up from this fucking underground shitty water, like from beyond. Oh, I don't know, man. I can just see it right now. You got characters puking up their fucking intestines and, oh, yeah, it'd be great. That's good shit. What about you, Andy? Uh, if This one might be a little more out on a limb, but I think like a cannibal one would be pretty cool. You know, like like make a stage jungle you know what i'm saying just have like people dressed up like the tribe people chasing ah, you around that's a good fucking idea man that's really good man you could have you almost like recreate scenes from like cannibal holocaust and yeah. and jungle holocaust like just all these cannibal that'd be fucking that's cool man i like that it's kind of scary actually yeah because you're like you're in this jungle surrounding and shit oh that's cool man it's cool you bring in some real bugs <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that would freak me out. <laughs> All right, we got uh, one more here from Tyler. Oh, Tyler again. <laughs> uh, okay, hello. Um, hey, this is Tyler from LA, and I just found out that the wood is actually a flare witch uh, people, and I'm just shocked right now. I'm literally like mind boggled how. Lion Gay and Adam Denton keep that a secret. I know there was like some speculations about this, but I can't believe that they're actually true. Um, so I just want to see you guys' thoughts on that, and yeah, are you excited for it, or are you just like totally like blown away by it? I'm like so, I'm like super excited for it now. I can't believe it's actually another player which is uh, the work and love the show. Alright, so we did kind of give our opinions on that earlier. I hope we answered your question then. Uh, but yeah, I think we're all pretty excited for it. Mood's not as much as me and Andy, but I think Mood's even pretty excited himself. <laughs> <laughs> somewhat, somewhat. Alright, so we got one more voicemail here, and it is another one from Rob. Rob. Hey guys! Rob from Georgia here, just on the road, uh, in my car, of course, and I uh, thought I would just drop a quick uh, line. Uh, I'm hoping this gets through all right. Last time I did in the car, I didn't. Anyway, I uh, saw a cat in the brain last night. Of course, everyone already knows this because I put it up on Facebook. But I just wanted to say how how thankful I am to uh, the guy, I can't remember who it was, who first posted that this was going to be playing at in Atlanta because I didn't even know. And, uh, but aside from it just being a really cool, nostalgic experience, um, got to see the trailer for Pieces and, uh, I'll Drink Your Blood and just the, of course, the movie itself. And, uh, it was just really, just really cool. But anyways, I found this new theater I didn't know exist and 
that first bull chief build on the big screen. And uh, I don't want to make this too, uh, too calm, so I'll just leave it at that. And I uh, hope all is going well, guys. And, uh, and uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. Go Bills. Hell yeah. Except for that Bills thing. So, uh, Rob, I'm, I'm really glad that Rob clarified something because when he called in and said he was on the road, I just thought he was standing on the road. But apparently he was driving. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, Rob, uh, dude, I just thought of a top 10 Tuesday, guys. So take note, Moods and Andy, if you guys still do them. Uh, top 10 films you would like to see at the theater or on 35mm or whatever. Oh, well, that's excellent. Uh, so, yeah. But did you have a question there? I don't even remember. No, <laughs> no. question. No question. No question. He just had a, a good time. I mean, dude, the thing would probably be in my top 10 to see in the theater or drive in or something. I mean, it would be dope. I've actually have built up quite a little like collection of things that I've seen. So, like, like old films now. I think I have about 10, which is crazy because I'm. Never like that shit never happens, but it seems to be happening more around me lately. Yeah. Nobody has anything to say on that. I was literally writing that down in my top ten Tuesday list. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was so that was that was episode 122. Okay. <laughs> right around the corner. Yeah, right around the corner. Just finished 91. What about you, Andy? What do you, what do you, is there is there stuff that you would like to see? Obviously, oh, yeah. I've never really ever seen like an old film on the big screen, but the first thing that comes to my mind is definitely Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, do you guys could... remember when there was originally supposed to be like a three D like re? If I ever meet Tom Savini, I'm asking him about that. Uh, yeah, Tom Savini. He's he's cool, man. I didn't have a bad experience with him. I have to say, hmm. he's cool. So. Uh, Dawn of the Dead. (laughs) I saw fucking Dawn of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead. What was it? Two years ago, JP? Yeah, I think so. I remember. Yeah, on the big screen. And it was such, it was an amazing experience for me because, of course, Dawn of the Dead being my favorite film of all time. That's just, it's just amazing. It was so cool. Listen, Um, Moods, I think next year, in October, not this year, next year, me and you should venture to Chicago and go to Jeremy's thing his uh oh, at, the, his, at the red box yeah the um no what the, the what is it called the um <laughs> did i say red box yeah music box <laughs> the music box i totally <laughs> meant to say music box like, as soon as i said red box i was like wait a minute that's wrong <laughs> yeah the the like you know 10 film marathon thing or whatever it is oh fuck it man they always play the best shit in there too yeah i know we should do it man we should yeah, do it we really should man we really should that, that's such a cool thing and it's like only there too that they do it yeah so definitely have to there's so many films i'd like to see on the big screen what's your number one though oh dude i've never even thought of this until right now Um, (laughs) well dawn of the dead was obviously one that i always wanted to see which i did but uh i think i would really really like to see return to living dead on the big screen that would be awesome that'd be awesome yeah yeah, yeah, I think that's one. I mean, I think it would just be amazing because, you know, the soundtrack and just, I just love that movie so, so much, man. Um, I think that would be amazing. Uh, I, I personally, I would love to see any, some faulty films on there too. I'd love to see the beyond, um, City of Living Dead for me. City of Living Dead. I like it's, to see Zombie. <laughs> yeah, Zombie. Any of those films on the big track, I think it would be so damn cool. 
I, I think my number one got to be Chainsaw. Yeah, Chainsaw would be really, really amazing. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that would. My, my number one, two is probably Elm Street. I was going to say Elm Street 3 was going to be my other choice. Yeah, it, I would love to see Elm Street. Dream Warriors on the big screen would be fucking amazing. So. <laughs> Yeah, damn, that's but, uh, a really good. That's a good topic. That's a thinker. Yeah, top. That's gonna be a fun top ten. I'll actually do that one as well. That's cool. That's cool. All right, so that's the voicemails. Thanks for calling in. Uh, anybody out there listening, you want to call into the show? Leave a voicemail. We always accept them. We always play them. And you know, if if you want to do so, moods hit them with that number. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I can't remember that shit. Yeah, you'd think that we would by now, but I don't remember it either. But because I have the uh, awesome technology of the Facebook group page, it is 724-426-6665. Again, that is 724-426-6665. You know, I completely forget all the time that it's written right there. Yeah. (laughs) Shit, that's funny. All right, so getting into the morbid fact courtesy of Rue Morgue. From the coroner's report of weird stacks and morbid facts. Uh, this particular one is coming from the August of 2016 issue, which is 169. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, the brand new episode, or brand new episode, brand new magazine. I just got this in and I literally haven't even read anything out of it except for the coroner's report. Uh, so I think I already knew this. I'm not 100% sure. Um, if this was in a documentary or not, I'm sure you both will be able to tell me since you're big fans of this movie and franchise. Um, but originally the killer's robe in 1996 scream was intended to be white, but director Wes Craven allegedly changed it to black due to concerns about its similar similarity to the KKK robes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Was that in, was that in the documentaries? I I don't remember. remember hearing that. Do you, Andy? I, I I think I've heard of that before, but not the KKK thing. I just heard that they want to be a white costume. Why would they ever consider that to be a white robe? Yeah, I because mean, it doesn't make sense for like you're kind of visible. <laughs> yeah, not not only like, that, stealthy though, like, wise, it's just yeah. I just you couldn't pick a worse like, color. <laughs> I just instantly think you know, just not gonna lie, man. You think of white robes and. Hats and stuff. I, I don't know, man. KKK it just screams it. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, that is the morbid fact. And that is going to conclude mood swings and moving on to the WWW portion of the show, which is what we watched. And if you're not familiar with that, which you probably should be because we've done it. I've explained this a million times. We've done this like 85 times or something like that. So, <laughs> Um, it's where we review a film, go round tree and move on. <laughs> See yeah. who wants to go first. I'll go first. We're only doing one this week. I believe if moods wants to do more, he can feel free to, because, uh, I, I have watched stuff, but most of it's like 1996 and you know, I don't want to, we'll probably talk about a lot of those films later on. Yeah. 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 So, uh, this sure. one, this one is from 1984 it's called Crimes of Passion. It's coming to me courtesy of Arrow Video. It's it's light on the horror, more of a drama romantic thriller. <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like horror at all. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it well, actually. Well, except for the romance part does. It, it's definitely genre. 
and it's it's pretty interesting it, it stars anthony perkins he's not the main star but he is in the film he plays a significant role uh and he plays a role that only anthony perkins could play uh this film follows a 30 some year old who is married but he is in a sort of rough marriage like his wife amy is just very not into him anymore like they don't have sex really and of course that becomes problematic when you're in a marriage or when you're a male and uh young like that i guess <laughs> so uh basically he starts going to these little support groups where it's you know sort of um like a narcotics anonymous type thing where they all sit in the circle and say things about themselves and and the, the film opens up with uh kind of like this right now yeah Exactly. <laughs> the, the film opens up with him sort of flipping out because somebody said he's probably just a terrible lay. And uh, then he goes to like the seedy side of the little town and there's sort of a lot of prostitutes and stuff where he meets this girl named China Blue. And uh, he meets her because he at work he's hired to follow her uh, and – find out if she's stealing from the company or something it's like a clothing line and their stuff's leaking and the competition's picking it up so he follows her and finds out that this successful businesswoman in her nightlife is a prostitute and you get the sense that it's not for money really it's just for the excitement and he ends up following her sees what she does and then ends up like being a customer the next day uh, so he has a really exciting sex night with her and he begins to kind of like her. And basically that's that's kind of the main story except for there is a crazy character played by Anthony Perkins who's like a preacher and he's just mad. He's completely mad and he's like stalking this China Blue and, and tries to save her. Uh, he, but he's, he's, he carries around a, a dildo or a vibrator rather that is, uh, like, like a knife. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like a knife. It's like a steak, like you would stake a vampire, but it's a, it's a vibrator and he's just batshit crazy. Um, the film itself is, is very interesting. Like I was really into it the whole time. Uh, a lot of sexual stuff in there. Uh, very bizarre. It's directed by Ken Russell. Who I believe did Altered States, which I've never seen. I, I think Moods, you've seen that film though, right? Yep. Is it pretty awesome. bizarre? It's good. Yeah, it is bizarre. It's a good film though. It's yeah. Really cool. So um, this guy, this guy directed this film, uh, Crimes of Passion, and that's actually a good title for it because it, it really is like has a lot of this like passionate stuff. And one thing that I I really did like about it is the camera work and the like colors like they use a lot of like neons and th there's actually one sex scene that is uh replayed over and over again on the menu where it's like silhouettes behind a curtain of all these different sexual positions with this cool score and stuff and it's it's very <laughs> you know elegant in its filmmaking in terms of like colors and camera work stuff like that uh the storyline is um not super complex, but it's it's very drama thriller-ish. Uh, but there are some moments of, of of horror with, like, Anthony Perkins' character. Like, there's one scene where he's, like, just 
staring at at like a peep show, like a little hole in the wall. And he's like watching, you know, very like kind of psycho ish, I guess. (laughs) And he's watching this girl who's like in the middle of this circular room with all these like holes in the wall. And she's just like spinning around naked and stuff like very, very like seedy underground type of like sex shop stuff. Uh, all, all that stuff was really cool. Um, you know, it, it, it's not very much of a horror film though. I will be honest. Uh, but the, it has enough darkness to it that where I think it's warranted. Oh, now the you. truth is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty solid. Uh, not the best movie in the world. I give it about a seven out of ten. Wow, I wasn't expecting that high rating. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> never seen it. Never a- seen Anthony it. Anthony Perkins does it in, in the film. Like he is. Su- he, this, these are like the perfect characters for him, especially like this sexually. Fr- you could tell that there's like a metaphor for his like sexual frustrations and. Like, he's playing a preacher, yet he is, like, sexually disturbed, and he's acting it out in frustrations on people who are okay with their sexuality. What year was that film from again? 84. 84. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, sounds cool. Andy, do you want to go next? Ah, sure. (laughs) So, uh, the film that I can talk about is a 1989 slasher movie called Moonstalker. Have you guys heard of this or seen it? Oh, I've heard about it. I've never seen the film. Haven't heard of it nor seen it. Yeah, it, I've never heard about it either until it recently got released on Blu-ray by Filmrise. Uh, so basically, this movie is about uh, a, a family on vacation going to the mountains to get away. Um, there, they meet this old guy where he uh, intro- tells them all these stories about his son and how great his son was and his wife had passed away and whatever. And um, there, he kind of just unleashes a little secret that he's keeping about his son and starts to kill the family one by one. Not really a spoiler happens like in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And there the killer just goes on a loose uh, where there's this local wilderness adventure group. Uh, They're up in the mountains in the same mountains hiking. And uh, he starts to pick them off one by one. (laughs) Uh, It's a pretty standard running mill wood slasher film. Um, First thing about it, I liked it was the music. It's got this like really reminiscent to like this Halloween type music. It's kind of like a play on the Halloween theme. Um, the body count's actually pretty high in this one. Uh, I think there's about eight or nine uh, deaths that you see on screen. Uh, the, there's not a whole lot of blood and gore though about in it. Uh, it's a lot of the kills are actually have no blood at all, which is kind of I'm thinking limited to the budget of this film because it's not really a high budget slasher. Uh, but if I had to rate it, I'd give it a six and a half out of ten. Solid six and a half out of ten. What what does the killer look like? Uh, well, the, he has these two different costumes in it. The the first costume that he wears is actually pretty cool looking. It's like this like potato bag on his head, uh, and he's got like all these chains and everything wrapped around him. And um, then he kills some guy and takes on to this like cowboy persona. He has like, a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty trippy what? stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know, man. It, it, it's a film that I was glad to check out, but it's not the best thing I've ever seen, but it's pretty decent. Yeah, it, I, when you said, like, what's it called? Moon? Moon? Moonstalker. Moonstalker. When you said that, I thought of uh, Incident on and Off a Mountain Road, the, uh, t- uh, the Don Coscarelli. Yeah. That's a horror episode. I, I think that guy's name was like Moonface or something, or <laughs> something. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I, it kind of just reminded me of that a bit. I'm sure it's nothing like it though. Have you seen that episode? I have not. Nah. Oh, it's good, man. It's good. Yeah, it is good. I, I must say though, like the 
the beginning of the film where I said that they're introduced to the, yeah, this family. It kind of has like this Hills Have Eyes type vibe. Um, you think the movie's just going to be about this family because I didn't really read the synopsis until I, after I read it. And it totally surprised me like that they went in a whole different direction than I was thinking. Is that a Blu-ray? Uh, it is. It's a burn-on-demand Blu-ray. How's the transfer uh, on that? It's definitely not the best transfer, but it's a lot more watchable than like the version on YouTube that I was checking out. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, Crimes of Passion, that transfer is pretty good, by the way. Just throwing it out there. All right, Moods, what you got? Okay, man, we're going to take it back for, to all the way to 1982 uh, with a film I surprisingly have never seen before. Um, I just got this sent to me by uh, Homie um, from our Facebook page and um, hooked me up with a great package. So I'll do something on that later on. But um, yeah, this is one that I've wanted to check out for years. <laughs> I've wanted to go buy this film so many fucking times and I never, just never pulled the trigger. Uh, from 1982, it's called The Stranger is Watching. Um, this is directed by Sean S. Cunningham or Cunningham as some people <laughs> like to. Oh, really? Sean S. Cunningham, huh? He doesn't, he hasn't done much. <laughs> no, he really hasn't. <laughs> yeah, he directed Friday the 13th and this was, I think, the next film that he directed, I believe. Did he do House uh, not or he just produce it? No, he didn't direct House, no. All right. A Stranger is watching. Yes, this is a Sean S. Cunningham film. And it is uh, very, very different from what we know by him. Of course, you know, he directed Friday the 13th. And uh, it has similarities, but it's a completely different type of film. It is not a slasher film. It is one of those type of films that uh, it's, it's a little bit scary in itself. Uh but it's it's just a lot different. Um, <clears throat> the short synopsis of it basically is in the beginning of the film, you get this horrific scene where this uh, this woman is being raped and she gets murdered. Uh, they catch the assailant and he goes to trial and he's put on death row. Um, so it jumps forward to about three years later in the future. And um, what happens is. Uh, this 11 year old daughter and father living together, obviously, um, the father has a new girlfriend and his girlfriend is also in the media world along with him. They're like news reporters and things like that. And they've been kind of reporting on, or not really reporting on the, the murders, um, uh, you know, murdering of the wife and stuff like that. Uh, the thing is, it's about three years later and he's now on death row and he's coming up for execution type thing. So it's like all over the news and things like that. Uh, one night he's not there at the house and his girlfriend comes over to the house to, to watch the daughter. And unfortunately the, the girlfriend and the, the daughter, they get uh, kidnapped by some assailants. So now they basically have to figure out how to get these, these two back um, because he's only, he's kidnapped the daughter and the, and the girlfriend for ransom. And uh, so, you know, that's pretty much the the synopsis of the film. Um, now, my thoughts on this one: uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty simple premise, and there's a lot of elements of this film that are executed pretty good. Uh, the thing is, the, the one problem with this film I have right off the hop, the hop is they focus so much on you know the the murder in jail and the uh, you know his up and coming execution. At first, and then it kind of tails off, and of course you got this abduction, and the police are involved, and now, and and basically, you know, the the father here, um, played by uh, what's his name, uh, James Naughton, you know, he's pretty much agreed to pay the ransom. So, 
you kind of jump into the other half of the film here and you got this mother and or the girlfriend and daughter. And the cool thing about this film is where this whole thing takes place. Now, this kidnapper takes them to this underground kind of bunker layer underneath Grand, Grand St- uh, Station Central in uh, in New York. So we get a lot of clips of like old school New York in like this really dungy area underneath the subway and stuff like that. And a lot of it takes place in there and stuff. And it's just brutal. It's really, really brutal, man. This killer is relentless. All the scenes with the killer or, or with the kidnapper, I should say, um, uh, are just nasty. Really, really nasty. That's one thing about this film that really is, sticks out is the violence. Uh, the kidnapper is played by Rip Torn. If you guys are familiar with him, um, he does such a great job, man. He's one of the most diabolical characters I've seen in such a long time in a film. Uh, I just love it, man. The violence on screen is, is, <laughs> it's just, it's so vividly crazy. Um, just the attacks on women and things like that and just how he just doesn't give a fuck and stuff. Um, so a lot of the film focuses on these two trying to get away because a lot of the film has the abductor trying to make deals with the police and, you know, with the father and stuff like that. And so he's kind of out of, you know, the area where they has, has these girls locked up. So they're trying to escape and things like that. A lot of cool scenes happen, a lot of really cool stuff, but the violence is just nuts. Um, but yeah, the visuals and, uh, you know, a lot of the scenes in New York and stuff, just fantastic, really good stuff. But the one thing that's, you can tell, um, that why this is a Sean Cunningham film is the musical cues. The music in this is fantastic. It's very similar to Friday the 13th when it cues up and stuff. It's just very intense and it's just, it's very notable. You know, you, you know, right away that it's a, uh, Sean Cunningham film, even though he didn't do like that much stuff, you know, but this one, it kind of sticks out in that, in that realm. Um, the, my overall thoughts on this one, it's, it's a good film. It's definitely not perfect. It has kind of plot hole, not like plot holes, but it has like kind of plot flaws, I should say. Um, like I said, in the beginning of the film, it, it focuses so much on one element and then it kind of switches to this other one. And there's a twist that happens within the film. Now, my problem with the twist is that it happens way too early in the film. You get to know exactly what's going on right away. I would say within 30 minutes of the film. And I think it kind of hurts the, the way the story should progress itself. I think if they had have just waited until way later in the film to kind of show you what this twist was, I think it would have worked a lot better because once you find out exactly what's going on, you know, about 30 minutes in the film, there's no mystery. There's no element of surprise at all in the film. It's just kind of like, okay, we're going to wait this out. We're going to, you know, things are going to happen. And, um, then it does. And the, the ending is a little underwhelming. It's a little underwhelming. It's definitely not the way you'd want it to go. And you're just like, ah, okay. So, but overall it was, it was a pretty intriguing watch because like I said, the violence was pretty nasty. Rip Torn does an amazing job. Such a badass fucking role, man. The guy just kills it. He's such an asshole, <laughs> like total asshole in this film. Uh, if I had to rate this one, I'm going to give it about a six and a half. It's, uh, it's good. I, I just wish the story was done a little better. The progression was done a lot better. I think that's really what hurts it, but the performances are fantastic in this. And just that old grimy New York look is just great too. It's pretty cool stuff. So yeah, good. I do recommend it. It's, it's a pretty decent film. So yeah, six and a half. Cool. 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 Uh, you going to do any others or you got, no, no, we'll just do, I don't want to keep talking for fucking 
and then get into these ones. So, <laughs> All right. So it is feature review time. Western horror films. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So Western horror films. Man, so many good ones out there. <laughs> Lots of good ones. Yeah. Uh, but first Bone up here. Bone Tomahawk from last year was a pretty big one. Yeah, Bone Tomahawk was fucking awesome. Western horror films. First up, starting with the film from 1988. Uh, produced by who? Charles Van? Charlie Band. Charlie's Band. Charlie Band, when he used to produce semi decent budget films. Yeah, this was Empire Pictures, I believe. Empire did. They definitely had a little bigger budgets for their films than, you know, later on in the 90s with uh, Full Moon and stuff. So, yeah, they Uh, even, they even just had like, it seemed like there was just way more care put into them. You could tell that they're still relatively low budget, but. When, you, when you're talking about like Ghoulies 2 and From Beyond and this film Ghost Town, and even you compare it to like Evil Terrorvision, Terrorvision as well. All of those films that came out in this little era. Yeah, and we're referring to Prison. Ghost Town. Yeah, yes. Prison, exactly. You know, those are great examples of films that low budget that just look a lot better than the, you know, the stuff from the 90s and early 2000s, Full Moon. Yet they all sort of feel the same in a it weird way, weird. don't they? Well, yeah, I find, vibe. I find, I, yeah, they do. I find that the, the 90s full moon films all have that same type of music that just instantly makes it a full moon film. Yeah. These ones were a little different. They always had different scores and stuff. And, but of course, this one's written by David Schmoller, who wrote like every single Puppet Master film and things like that. He's predominantly worked for full moon his entire career. So, um, yeah, Ghost Town, Synopsis. Deputy Langley tracks a kidnapped girl to an abandoned ghost town. However, the town is not abandoned, but haunted by the spirits of an outlaw, Devlin, and his gang, who hold the equally deceased townspeople hostage until the outlaws can be killed by a lawman. Yeah. That pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. That's not bad. Um... (laughs) Now, this film has always made me laugh right from the beginning of the film. Um, Okay, any ideas on exactly how this girl breaks down on the side of the road and then gets sucked into some random ghost town? You know what? I was actually going to ask you guys because I had – somebody knocked at the door while I was watching this. And I have seen this film before way back on VHS. I owned a copy, a a dubbed copy, but I owned a copy nonetheless. It was actually on my Elm Street 4 VHS. Uh, so often I'd watch Elm Street 4 and then it would start in a ghost town and sometimes I'd watch it. Most times I wouldn't because it was like a Western. And as a kid, I was like, oh, the Western. But, you know, as I got a little bit older, I eventually gave it a try. But it's been years. And I walked away and I came back. I normally paused, but I just ran right to the door. I knew who it was. Just had to let him in. And then it was like they were in the ghost town era. So, like, I was like, okay, what? I was going to fast rewind, but I just didn't. I was just figured I would ask you guys, how did they get there? I'm totally confused on that. No, some kind of death storm happened. <laughs> no, it, it's literally, man. She breaks down, and then all of a sudden, yeah, the wind kind of picks up, and then she gets literally sucked into the ghost realm. And does he? Does that happen to him too? The sheriff? The not out- not so much. Man? Not so much. Like he, once they get there to investigate and stuff, he he kind of drives off, and and then his vehicle kind of catches fire. Yeah. A little bit, and then all of a sudden he, well, obviously he jumps oh, out of it. Normal. Yeah, and I know, right? And then he kind of wanders off a little bit, and then all of a sudden he's just in the ghost world. 
Like he doesn't necessarily get sucked in like like she did. So but he was also, just driving and his vehicle caught on fire. Oh no, he was he was like chasing the um, the the main antagonist here, the Devlin. Like I yeah. think I think that's what was happening. He was chasing him, and yeah, all of a sudden, his car just started golfing in flames. Yeah, so, so once he investigate once he investigates the the girl Kate, her vehicle, he kind of sees yeah Devlin on a horse. So he kind of drives forward and stuff, and then he disappears and he stops. And then he kind of gets out and his vehicle just kind of catches fire. And then all of a sudden he's in ghost town. <laughs> it does, it's, it's kind of funny when you watch it. I think it he took a long, wrong turn at Albuquerque. Because she gets sucked in and all of a sudden he's just in there. I, I don't know. It's like so strange how they both get in there in different ways. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. so, I don't know. it's like it's kind of set in that world where these things are happening. But you're like, okay. <laughs> they just they just happen you just roll with the punches huh you, you totally roll with the punches and you go well it doesn't matter how they got there they're in ghost town and then that's where you go from there so it, it's just kind of strange nothing is explained at all very typical charles man right yeah, this was a film <laughs> that originally was on vhs and never had a dvd treatment it had a laser disc and yeah. for the longest time, people requested this title, and it wasn't until, I believe, last year, Scream Factory finally put it out on Blu-ray. i got to say, the Blu-ray looks A-freaking-awesome. Yeah, yeah it, does. It, awesome. it, it really it's does look good. Yeah. I, was so, I was so impressed with the uh, transfer on this. Yeah, it, it's quite surprising. So wh- wh- where do you want to start on this bad boy? <laughs> I don't know, man. What are you, you guys' overall thoughts on this one? Uh, um, well, you know, one thing that was awesome was watching it and like, you know, the nostalgia of like, oh, I remember seeing it like this and that, and you know, that uh, some things were coming back to me, but, um, the first thing that I absolutely just loved about this movie is the set design. Yeah. Really does capture that old West feel. Oh, yeah. dude, man. The, the sets are fantastic, man. Another thing that's really good, surprisingly good is the, uh, the wardrobes, the costumes. Yes, are actually pretty authentic looking. I was surprised, you know, being a Charles Band production. <laughs> yeah, but even just the cobwebs and all the, the, you know, the dirt and the dust and the the trees laying everywhere, yep. like it, it really looks great. Like I remember when he goes into like the the um little uh, jailhouse and mm-hmm. there's just cobwebs mm-hmm. everywhere. I just I love that stuff. So what? so atmospheric. He- even the fact that they managed to change the sets, you know, for those scenes where everything is kind of, kind of live. Well, I mean, they're obviously ghosts, but everything's kind of in one piece, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when it's not, there's like logs out in the roads and everything's all fucked up and stuff. They had managed to change that up quite a bit and it looked pretty good. Yeah. It good. Yeah. yeah. It really makes you, you know, if you're familiar with like Full Moon and Charles Band and stuff, you really get a great sense of, of the, like the care that they used to put into their films and the, maybe they had a little bit more of a budget, but I can't imagine that it was so much more. And, you know, it's just the qual like the quality that people took back then versus now with these sort of low budget. Cause these, these were low budget films. These were like, you know, oh, indie, yeah. in, like, yeah. not, I guess not indie, but you know, super low budget. And, yeah. uh, it's just a different time where it seemed like they were able to do more. It's like people got more lazy essentially. <laughs> Oh, big time. Big time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they, they, they really do manage to capture that, that Western kind of ghostly atmosphere quite well in this film. It's, it's amazing how it works. It's really cool. Yeah. Definitely. So how did you guys feel about like Devlin as a, a villain in this movie? I thought he's actually a pretty, 
pretty cool villain. Yeah, I, I like him. You know, I don't. I think he kind of reminds me a bit of, um, or this whole film kind of reminds me a bit of um, House Two. A little Anybody bit. Get that vibe. Yeah, a little bit. I like. I honestly, man, I like the makeup on him. It's 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 so eighties. You know, yeah. it's just that it's a yeah. very typical type, kind of cheap make makeup that really does work. You know. I like the scene where, you know, it shows him getting shot in the face for how he gets that big scar and stuff. It's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> it looks awesome. But yeah. no, Devlin's badass though, man. He's, uh, he's just, he's one of those characters that just doesn't give a fuck and he's just always coming and he's just evil. But some of the, some of the dialogue that he spits is so cheesy. Yeah, there's definitely <laughs> yeah, a little totally. bit of cheese in this film. Yeah. yeah, a little bit cheesy and shit like that, which is kind of funny. But, um, and there's also moments in this film too with, you know, these bad guys, but they're just not the smartest bad guys. You know, like the scene towards the end of the film where they're fucking, you know, um, the sheriff's in the house with, uh, well, the girl and all the bad guys come to the front door. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me, man? You have a gang of like 20 people. Why wouldn't you delegate some people to go to around this to the sides and the back so they don't escape? <laughs> I love yeah. that scene. It's so funny to me because they're just like, hey, let's get them. And they all rush the front door while they're sneaking out the back. I'm like, oh, my God. It's so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just writing like that. That's kind of funny. But, it, you know, it makes it fun, though. It makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's really not a whole lot to say about this one. <laughs> and I thought that was going to happen when I was watching it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a. Well, the storyline is just so basic, man. It's just, he gets sucked into this world and I, there's things that are happening in this film that are just not explained whatsoever. And, like, and why, why did not... Ghost Town, why did the ghost town suck in Kate and all of a sudden she becomes like, yeah, yeah, it's almost like a Wizard of Oz type shit where you're yeah. like, okay, so Kate gets sucked in and then like this long time has happened since like he gets sucked in. Like there's no like timeline. It's, it's, and I think it's designed like that sort of on purpose, but it's also like, it's very convenient if you're the writer, right? Like to be like, Oh, oh yeah. well, I don't have to explain any of this because it's fucking ghosts and it's ghost town and all kind of weird shit's happening. Well, I know you get that impression that like when she gets sucked in and then when the sheriff gets pulled into the ghost world that it's been a long time because she's already been like abused by Devlin and things like that. And it yeah, just, it's fucking like Narnia in, uh, in our <laughs> world. It's been, it's been fucking four minutes, you know, yeah, what which saying? is also sort of like house a little bit too. Like house is kind of like that where all this it's, it's, I like films like this though, because it's kind of like imaginative and well, because and, you can turn your brain off a little bit and you go, yeah. okay, whatever. <laughs> you just kind of accept it. But yeah, I don't know, man. There's there's lots of funny things like just how, you know, when the sheriff of the original town gets killed by Devlin and he somehow manages to put a curse on him and his gang in the town and stuff like that. It's like, how the fuck did he do that, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's got these magical powers because he's sheriff. Or what? I, I just love things like that. It just yeah. kind of makes you think and you go, what? Like, how did you have the power? Like, anybody could say at that moment when you're being crucified, I'm going to, I'm going to come back and get you, or, you know, this town's <laughs> never going to, you know, you could say anything in that moment, but then for it to actually happen is another thing. <laughs> it just comes off super cheesy. You're just like, oh yeah, yeah. That makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. I like the music in this film. It is definitely pretty repetitive, though. They probably could have spent a little bit more cash on maybe some different pieces from here and there. You guys notice the, the music is so repetitive? Yeah. Yeah, that's like 
most of Charlie Band. Did Richard Band fucking do the music on this? I don't. I don't think he did actually. No? I don't think he did the music in this one. No, no. Because uh, Richard Band, like his shit's really repetitive as well. You know, it's just like the same. It's like the like a thirty second piece of music, and then it just repeats over and over again. Hmm. Hmm. You but, know, surprisingly, man, the the director of this film uh, only ever directed this movie, and I, you know, it's quite interesting. You know, it it's it it's pretty good for like a first time film. Like even the transitions in, in this movie are pretty good, you know, like just shots of like, you know, scenery and things like that. And like the way he did it though, it, like it fits so perfect. And I was like, I don't know, man, it just, it seems like it's kind of a little better than the first time effort, you know, I mean, not story wise, obviously, but yeah. the actual filmmaking and stuff, just the way the film was kind of put together and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, actually, it's not a bad film. It's not, it's put together pretty well. So which one actually directed it? Richard Governor? (laughs) Yeah, I believe so. And then Mac Alberg is actually uncredited as the director as well. I I have no idea who that is. Uh, Well, he's the guy that directed the classic, The Daughter, I, A Woman, Part 3. Oh, there you go. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. (laughs) He also directed I, A Woman, and 2, I, A Woman, Part 2. So, yeah. <laughs> those classics. So, like I said, David Schwoner, he or he uh, wrote this film. He most notably did Tourist Trap. He wrote that film in Crawl Space, you know, in Catacombs before he did Ghost Town. It's kind of funny how those movies are so much better written than Ghost Town. Like, this yeah. one just seems kind of like a throw-in <laughs> film. He's like, I got this idea. We're just going to roll this. We're not really going to explain anything. <laughs> <laughs> I but, mean, uh, honestly, when you when you just write Ghost Town, you bring up that poster, like the movie kind of rid itself. Like you didn't hit yeah. add anything extra. Like, it, like no, that's ex- really this is exactly what I would expect a film called Ghost Town to be like. It's one of those perfect films where you just you really don't have to explain anything for people to be like, yeah, that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> you know, it just didn't matter. Yeah, you just kind of watch. Yeah, it's definitely one of those films. So. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to say about this movie other, like without giving everything away. I mean, this one, it doesn't really have like a massive, massive body count. I think some of the kills are pretty cheesy. I think, I mean, it's not gory at all. Not very bloody. I mean, there is some good special effects though. There is some decent special effects. There's actually one that I really enjoy, which is so cheesy. It's so easy to do, but that skull that's in the ground Uh and it starts bleeding out the eye. I'm just like, ah, you know, it's so 80s and cheesy, but it's fun. It's cool. Yeah. Andy, do you have anything on this one? Uh, I felt like this movie had a few awkward parts, like that awkward ghost sex scene leading into sex. Was Actually, kind of- it's funny you brought that up because I even have that written down about how ridiculous that is. And it's so predictable in a film like this where the sheriff would come in contact with some young pretty girl that's willing to give up the poonani for a minute. <laughs> it's like... It's like- <laughs> it totally fucking happens like that, right? And then, you know, it was, it, you know, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil that, but yeah, but, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, it, you know, the thing that kind of bugged me about this film at times where, uh, there was a couple of characters, a couple of the, the main kind of side characters, they get killed off and they don't, you don't see it on screen. And it really bugged me in this film. I'm just like, fuck, whatever. It's like, man, there hasn't been that many kills on screen. Let's show something, and then we see these two dead bodies, and we're like, oh, fuck, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't really know what else to say about it. Kind of 
Ratings. Ratings. Uh, want to go into ratings? I'm cool. Sure. All right. Yeah, I, I don't really. <laughs> there's not like there's any deep metaphors in this film. <laughs> hey, listen, guys. Sometimes we pick these films that we haven't seen in a long time, and we don't know that there's not going to be much to say. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, you know, it, it's a fun movie. And at the end of the day, like it's definitely like one of those like popcorn style movies where you don't really think about it too much but the visuals are cool and the story's basic but it's a story that's fun so you can't really criticize that too much uh it oh, looks yeah, good the acting's solid you know cheesy at times but it, it's it's a it's a pretty cool looking movie and the transfer is great from scream factory i would have actually maybe liked some special features on the disc to to maybe get not even a trailer from behind the scenes and stuff like that or what they was thinking with this film but nothing on there, not even a trailer. So not even I, a trailer, no. I give this one a solid 7 out of 10. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, man. I mean, there's really not anything to write home about with this film, but it is a very, very fun film. The thing that always blows me away is the is the costumes and, you know, the whole set pieces. It's fantastic. It's got a great atmosphere. Some of the characters are such throwaway. I think one of my favorite characters in the film is uh, probably the blacksmith. I just, I love the line where he's like, yeah. you don't belong here, boy. <laughs> it's like that classic line, like, oh my God, that was the scariest moment in the whole film type thing. Right. But yeah, he's awesome. Um, but yeah, there's like, like Andy said, there's that very awkward and predictable go sex scene with the girl. And so it's like, oh my God, really? They have to throw in this little bit of romance into this film. It's like, why couldn't you just, you really don't need that, but it's kind of cheesy. Uh, very fun though. It's fun. It's got a really good atmosphere, really good look, and definitely one you can just dip your hands in a popcorn and just eat. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, cause you know, from the loud chewing and all that noise, you're not going to miss any, you know, essential plot. <laughs> Essentially. So I give this one about a six and a half out of 10. So interesting. Yeah. That's different than your previous rating you gave this film. What did I give it? A 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, it's just, yeah. So, yeah, uh, get my turn, I guess. <laughs> Gonna have to update it. Yeah, good, Andy. Uh, so, with a few plot holes in this movie, you know, it, like Mood said, it has a great atmosphere. It really captures that old West feeling. Uh, now, this is my only second viewing of it. Uh, being a film that people wanted to be released so many times, kind of my mind might have been a little overhyped because it was just an obscure film. I'd, I'd agree with Moose and give it a six and a half out of ten. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Man, I didn't realize I'd rated it that high, but you know, I mean, I guess multiple watches, sometimes your ratings go a little bit down. Yeah, I believe you reviewed it on episode number 54. Yeah, I did, didn't I? Yep. Yeah. Wow. 54, I mean, yeah, shit, man, it was like 30 episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it happens. All right, so moving from 1988 into the year 2004, uh, a film directed by Alex Turner, and I believe this was his debut film. Um, and it's pretty interesting, obviously, Western horror film called Dead Birds. Yeah. I'll give the general synopsis on this one. I don't know if I want to read out the long one. Nah, I totally don't want to do that. <laughs> Read out the short one here. A group of Confederate soldiers hole up in an abandoned plantation after robbing a bank and find themselves at the mercy at the mercy of supernatural forces. Well, that's essentially what it is. 
<laughs> now this one right here has a lot of no- like quite a few notable faces in it, man. You got Henry Thomas, of course, who starred in E.T., which is not a very uh highly regarded film in my books. Um I, I'm really not a fan of E.T., to be honest. Is that is that bad? Is that bad? Is that no. bad? <laughs> I don't know what it is about that movie. I'm just not really a big fan of it. But he actually is the main character in this film. Uh, plays one of the Confederate soldiers. You got Patrick. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. It's like Fug it. Is it Fug it or Fuck it? <laughs> no, it's like Fug it. <laughs> I always remember this guy. He plays the reporter in, in Almost Famous. You guys ever seen that film right there? Um, got Michael Shannon in this one. Isaiah Washington. Pretty pretty cool cast, actually. A lot of good actors in this one. And that's one thing that really sticks out in this film is the acting is really good. So, um, But, yeah, you guys' thoughts on this one. First of all, question is I I didn't really know much about this film. Same here. At all. Never heard of it. <laughs> it. I did own it though, and I'm curious is is the sort of Civil War era considered Western? Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. just checking. <laughs> um, so yeah, this one, you know, I I I love. I love it starting out that it is it is a slow burn. It's definitely a slow burn. A lot of a lot of walking around, like looming just gloom. Oh, it's it's a slow burn <laughs> atmospheric film. Yeah, it definitely is. Like they they go to this house and primarily the rest of the film is set in this house. And through, you know, filmmaking techniques, they make the house seem gigantic considering you fall all these different characters because there are a lot of them in this house and you spend a lot of time with the characters by themselves, like secluded, like in almost like a haunted house scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically, yeah, you got this group of Confederate soldiers that just robbed this bank and, and I might add, yeah, the scene where they robbed this bank is fucking fantastic, man. Like they literally go in there to get some gold. That's like the one true like Western part of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like they, they walk in there and they just, they just fuck that place up, man. There's a great headshot that explodes this dude's head. Um, but yeah, they essentially kill everybody in there. They book it out. And their plan is was to rob the bank, get the gold, and make their way down to Mexico. So they do this. They actually get the gold and they make their way on the way to Mexico. But they have to stop off somewhere to rest for the night. And they pick this particular house. And upon arrival, um, things start to... They're a little weird. People start seeing things and uh, it just gets really creepy. And all of a sudden they're getting a little paranoid that they might lose the gold and stuff. So and essentially they kind of start getting picked off one by one a little bit. And uh, yeah, that's kind of your film right there. (laughs) It's a very it's a very slow burn because you don't really know exactly what's going on until I would say about halfway through the film. They start to give you a little bit of backstory exactly why. Um, these events are happening in the house. You guys agree with that? Yeah, yeah. They definitely um build up to it in a slow, methodical way. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of build up to it and things like that. But honest to God, though, the one thing that sells me on this film is the great fucking the just the uh, the soundtrack to it. You know, the the music is so good, man. It's just like this perfect haunting music. That just fits perfect in the house. I, I think it's just awesome. But the acting is fantastic in this film for the most part. The only the most part. main issue I have with the acting is the Annabelle, the one girl that's there. Yeah. yeah. I almost feel like she's pointless to be there. That's a critique on the actual 
uh, like writing of the film. I just, I just feel like she was thrown in there for a female and she didn't really fit with the rough and tough gang of Confederate soldiers, you know, stealing gold and shit. But, um, yeah, but she was also there just as, you know, technically as a piece, right? Yeah. You know, you know, for the most part, for the most part, you know, I mean, what, one thing I've always thought about this film, I've seen this film a couple times and I've always thought that they kind of miscasted this film a little bit. Now, what I mean about that is that a lot of the Confederate soldiers are kind of interchangeable in their roles. They could be. Now, I feel that uh, Henry Thomas's character, which he is kind of leader of the Confederate gang there, um, I don't find him to be that perfect leader. You know, he's, he's very kind of baby face. He's kind of soft spoken. Yeah. And I find that it's a little misleading that he is a character I'm just, or a, a leader of the gang. Mm-hmm. Um, my opinion, if I was doing this film, I would have put Michael Shannon in the lead role in this film. Which one was Michael Shannon? Was he like sort of the more dick guy? He was the guy with the facial hair and the kind of beard and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. The essentially the guy that get, he's like gets sewn up. He's a scarecrow. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Michael Shannon's fucking, but he's a little more rugged looking. He has that look. He's just, he's just kind of more, he's just more scary. He's more believable as that leader. I think that they should have utilized Michael Shannon. Plus, he's a way better actor than Henry Thomas is. 100%. <laughs> Michael Shannon's fucking fantastic. But I just feel that they kind of missed the mark on that one. They should have put Michael Shannon in the lead in this film. But one little gripe on it. But, uh, yeah. Um, well, I, I thought know. Todd should have been the leader, so. <laughs> That's a black guy. You know, yeah. <laughs> you guys, you guys want to hear something fucking crazy about Todd's character? This doesn't make any sense. There is a couple goofs in this film that I have to note. First off, there it, this is right on the IMDb page, which I never noticed until I actually read this. Um, now, this film play, takes place in 1863 in Fairhope, Alabama. Uh, the, the funny thing is, is that Fairhope, Alabama is a real city. But it wasn't established until 1894. I thought that was kind of funny. Oh, really? Okay. But but my main issue with Todd's character is obviously played by Isaiah Washington, who happens to be black. Now, if you guys are following me here, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Because they were Confederates? These fucking guys are (laughs) Confederate soldiers fighting against the North. Now, I have done a little bit of research on this, and... This is bullshit. This is bullshit. There, there has always been rumors that black soldiers did fight with the Confederate soldiers. But Dude, it's I would dis- never go but, anywhere with one of them alone. I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's been disproved. It's been disproved. They, they figure that this never happened. There's no way that any black slave would have ever fought for their masters to keep them as slaves. It doesn't well, make I mean, it I'm not saying sense. that they couldn't force them to, but I, I doubt that they'd be very loyal. <laughs> But they wouldn't. They would just literally lay down like they did. They 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 were known. There's stories of them just literally laying on the ground and not moving. I wonder like if it's not. So I'm, I'm wondering why they would do this because the first time I watched this film, I I was like, what? Well, the it f- makes sense if they was not Confederate, right? Yeah. Because yeah, they it, blacks it, fight it, on the uh, Union oh, sure. side. Sure, they did. Hundred percent, they did. But the Confederate was fighting to keep their to keep their slaves. You know, that, that was the whole thing. There was no way that black people were fighting to keep that. So that's, I, in my opinion, is a major, like, I'm not a major goof, but it's, it's, it's kind of a goof in the film a little bit. Like I was doing a bunch of reading on it and they're like, yeah, there's a bunch of historians that said, well, they fought and they, but it's been disproved 
over and over and over again that there was no black Confederate soldiers. There really wasn't. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, and, and yeah, it just, it, it's just funny to me. <laughs> Did you see that on the IMDb trivia or something? Cause I don't what's, see it. What's that? No, the, um, the Fairhope Alabama thing. No, the black thing. No, that's, that's me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I was, I, I, no, I, really... I, I randomly, I was just, when I was looking up the cast on here, I was scrolling through and I saw the Fairhope goof thing and I was like, oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Obviously, how the fuck would I ever know Alabama was, you know, when it was established and stuff, but <laughs> the whole Confederate thing, I noticed this the first time I watched this film a few years ago and I was like, cause I've, I'm what you call, I, I like history. I like history. And I was like, you like black American Confederate history. soldiers. Oh, there is no Canadian history. It's bullshit. But, <laughs> but like black Confederate soldiers, just even putting that together is like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, I mean, I obviously as soon as you mentioned Confederates during the uh, plot synopsis, I started thinking of that, and I but I didn't notice it when I'm watching. But I didn't really pay attention that they were Confederates. You know, I knew it was yeah. Civil War, but yeah, that that fucking makes total sense. That that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know it's it's so bizarre, and I was like, wow, that's really interesting that they they don't even really. I, I, there's a commentary on the DVD, and I would like to yeah, listen, I'm about to, listen to, to, to it just for that to see if they actually even talk about or touch on the fact that why they did this. I, I'm curious <laughs> actually because it's really funny to me, man. It's really strange. It's just. Kind of those one of those really quirky things that doesn't make sense. But, yeah. um, but back to the film. Back yeah, to the back film. to what I was saying about Annabelle. Uh, yeah. I actually think that out of everybody, like I almost got the vibe that she was just like a modern chick that was like I didn't feel like she really, the actress really like grasped the uh, concept of like acting period wise. Yeah, it, like she's the only one that I really felt like that with. You know, like she, mm-hmm. she didn't really have that period t- t- tone to her voice. She seemed out of place. Like yeah. Did you get that vibe at all, Moods? I never really thought of that, actually. Yeah, like yeah. I just felt like her, just the way, the things that she said and the, the way that she acted was not of the time. Mm-hmm. Which is, is very, very, yeah. you know, women have a very unique, like, sense uh, from that era. You know what I mean? At least how they were depicted in film Mm -hmm. and i didn't really get that from her she just felt like a modern character yeah yeah you know when i think about it maybe yeah for sure for sure um you know know what i did like though um joseph's character the guy from sons of anarchy yeah yeah. i was kind of bummed out that he was (laughs) not in the movie as long yeah yeah (laughs) definitely yeah, he's. I've I've always seen him in other things like throughout time. I've always liked him. Yeah, he's he's a good actor. Actually, he's got you know? that face that you recognize in, immediately with his hair and his beard and shit. You know. Yeah, he's yeah. a good actor. Actually, yeah, Looking really good stuff. So. Um, yeah, this is this is an interesting movie, man. I, I did some research on it, and and it had about a million and a half budget. And I have to say, man, you know, for a million and a half, this movie looks really, really good. Really polished look to it. Um. And wardrobes, fantastic. You know, everything, man, just really, really good stuff. It's amazing what you can do with such little money, um, even with having semi-big names in your film. Yeah, and, you know, another thing, when you're when you're dealing with films like this without electricity, like period pieces, period pieces yeah. uh, you do start to pay attention to, like, lanterns and stuff, just, just so that it's continuity-wise, you know? Yeah. 
and they did a pretty good job with that. I mean, it's always you know that the the lighting is never going to be like true to what it'd be to, with just a lantern, you know. But it, they did a pretty good job of making it feel natural. Yeah, I agree. They did even with guns, man. Like the guns were. I was like looking at them, like, yeah, those are pretty authentic from the time and stuff. I'm like, that's cool because you see that a lot in some films. You're like, that gun doesn't, that gun wasn't. Made yeah, if, if somebody rode out. out with like a Glock 17, I'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, man. You don't have to say, man. For for 2004, uh, essentially, what we get here, we get like a little bit of demons and things like that. And what, what did you guys think of the effects on the demon, or even the look of the of the demons that are in the film? Because me personally, I find them creepy as fuck. But I think the CG is pretty good on them for yeah. 2004. Like, I mean, that's really in the middle of that realm that was fucking still bad. See, to me personally, and I know that a lot of people do like this style. I actually don't love it. I didn't think it was bad or it didn't really affect my enjoyment or anything. I just, it's that it almost feels like Japanese influenced, like, like grudge and stuff like that. And, and like pulse. I'm that ne- I've never liked that stuff. If I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, about you, Andy. Uh, that, that, the, like the ghosts and stuff are pretty cool. But those, uh, I, the demons, I think you talk about the, those pink creature things. Yeah. Things were any far. I, I don't think they looked as good, man. I, I don't know. They just, seem very dated i know it's it's hard because you got to talk about the film for when it came out but i don't just don't think it holds up too well yeah it looked like the uh montauk monster you guys remember that no it was uh it was like that like hairless like like i I don't even know what it was but it washed up on a beach like around that time like 2004 oh yeah 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 (laughs) i thought it looked exactly like that like people said that it was like a demon a a, a hell a hell dog or a demon dog or something yeah yeah. that's right it's big speculation on what it actually was i i believe people said it might have been a raccoon without any hair from being in the water or something but i don't know (laughs) that's (laughs) yeah I, i really don't mind it actually i mean i think the first time i seen this film was probably 10 years ago or something so it was probably in that era and i was like ah, you know it's okay it's okay but i i do like the look of them they're kind of um i mean maybe i would prefer that they weren't cg'd you yeah. know obviously you know <laughs> yeah. straight up practical it would probably work a lot better but you know for the actual look of them yeah I, I find it not too too bad but yeah i i can see randy's coming from like it definitely doesn't hold up too too well yeah but you know it is what it is, man. But um, but I think one thing about this film that's is really effective is fuck, man. You know it's it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn, yeah. and when you have it's slow a good burn, slow films, burn. Like oh, yeah, the, the, there, there's slow burns, and then there's slow movies. You know yeah. what I mean? This is this a slow burn. slow burn, and it's but it it has the most effective creepy atmosphere. It's very subtle in its approach and stuff, and I, I like it, man. It's a patient film. That's never boring, and that's good in a slow burn. Yeah, I was instantly into it, and I and I did pick up on the cues right away. I was like, okay, this is going to be slow because it's a lot of um, like House of the Devil stuff where you're just following a character walking slowly to a door, or like yeah. they hear a noise and they they and they turn around and and they that's look right. at it for a second, and then they walk slowly down the hall to investigate, and you know. It, I, these type of films are, in my opinion, the perfect films to watch, like, before bed or, like, late at night, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, they just, they just, they just work for me 
all the time with that. Like I actually watched this one first and I watched it a few days ago at night after I got off. Of Dude, my that's screw you. That's, that's how I watched these the other night too. <laughs> I watched uh, Dead Birds first. Yeah. And then I watched Ghost Same Town there. this morning. <laughs> that's funny. I watched it on Sunday. No. I think you what, one, one thing about the way the slow burn works in this film and why it's so effective is that it's the way it's edited. There's a lot of characters that are involved in this film. Uh, I mean, a fair amount of characters, but the way they More go than back you would and, expect. Yeah, exactly. For like, you know, being in a very kind of secluded area. Yeah. Um, is the fact that the way it's edited, they go from character to character and they kind of follow these characters. So, so almost rapidly that, and, and it honestly feels like they're, you know, for, and that's what I was saying about the editing too. And the, the magic of cinema is, they are in this small place, but we spend time with each character and it seems like they're far away from each other, even though they're like in the same house or like right outside yeah. the house, which is pretty cool. And then you'll follow one character and he'll see the another character like outside a window or something, but mm-hmm. you can tell something's wrong. Like, and we know that that character, something happened to him earlier. Like it, it, it I, I really do enjoy like movies like this that just take their time. Well, it's disguised quite well. Because, you know, just the way they go, they bounce back and forth. Like, we know while we're watching it's a slow burn, but it's it's never boring. It's entertaining because you're flipping back and forth from these characters and, and what they're about to all go through in the, in these different situations, right? I think yeah. it's very interesting how they did it. And it works so well. It, it, it's just like a perfect collage of, you know, just goodness leading up to what we eventually find out kind of thing, right? So, um yeah, it's good, man. I, I I really like the way they developed this film. It's good. Yeah, you guys wish that they uh, kind of would have focused on attention a little bit more between the characters, though, like involving the gold. I know they touched on it a little bit, like towards the end of the film, but I felt like they kind of missed the mark with that a little bit. With the uh, what about with, the gold? Like the tension between the characters, like the you know, how, like, like they try to play it up a little bit towards the end of the film. Like, yeah, like how how they're each kind of like one person is like, you know, wants to yeah. wants to just take the golden role. Like, yeah, I I I do actually think that I wish or I do actually wish they kind of played that up a little bit more because what was there was kind of interesting. You know, you have the you have these sort of clashing ideas of what should happen with the gold. I actually completely disagree, though. I think the way the way it was played out was good because, I mean, if you create this almost unnecessary tension just to have the tension there you know to kind of build up with the whole gold situation it it might feel a little unnatural i think the way it goes down is good because i think there's a there's a bigger focus at that moment you know in the first half of the film yeah there is a little bit of paranoia with the gold but come second half it's like i mean people are they're dying and they're they're missing and things are going on i mean i think the focus gets away from the gold by what's happening in the film so I think if you build up that tension, if they kind of start fighting about, you know, who's have the gold at that point in the film, I think it would be taken away from the main focus. Yeah, I, I was just thinking more of like a because they touch on it with the characters like beefing over the gold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I think it's like the age old thing that they did with Scream, where the the popcorn on the stove catches on fire and the and the fire alarm goes off and it just adds to the chaos of the situation. I think that's kind of what I was getting at a little bit where like, if there was this, this more, you know, emphasis on the gold, it could have, it 
you know, you could be right too, where it wasn't really affected much, or it's better this way. But you know, just as it, in terms of like the chaos, I, I think it just would have took a, away from exactly what the film was doing. I mean, I just, I would just love to give away right now. <laughs> this would make a lot more sense. But if you haven't seen the film, I'm not going to spoil it. But yeah. Um, on a little side note, there, Patrick Fugget, whatever his name is, the guy from American, um, almost famous there. He looks exactly like Malcolm McDowell's character, Alex, in A Clockwork Orange. You noticed that, that too? <laughs> Dude, it's like fucking <laughs> unbelievable, man. Yeah, I, I saw. I thought the same thing, man. If he had that long right eyelash, he would have been Alex from A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> it was like identical. <laughs> I, I, I barely remember that. I actually seen Clockwork Orange at a, at a Big Lots for about $3, and I was like, nah. It's like, nah. I pass <laughs> on so that. Good. It's so I good. I don't man. like that movie. Really? Oh, I fucking yeah. love Barbara Crunch, man. Just his fucking performance is so great, but man, does he not ever look like him, right, Andy? Holy Yeah, I, I, that's the first thing that popped in my mind. Like, fucking crazy, <laughs> man. It's so For crazy. some reason, one of the characters was reminding me of, um, what the hell's his name? Norman Reedus from Walking Dead and shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Man, so, there was one scene in this film where, uh, Henry Thomas is having a flashback of, you know, when he was in some Confederate hospital or whatever. I found that scene to be super creepy, man. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but every time I watch this film, there's something about the way they shot and edited that that scene. I don't know what it is, man. I think that's a great, great scene. And you know me with dream sequences. I'm not a big fan. But for whatever reason, that one seems to kind of work out well for me. I don't know. It's weird. I think it's a great scene. So... Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh I actually like the ending to this film. You know, I'm not going to go into it obviously, but I I, j- I just like the the very end. Yeah, because it's a total like, oh, for real? That's yeah. totally awesome. That's mm-hmm. totally awesome because then it makes you think back throughout the whole film and you're like, yeah. Oh shit, man. Because yeah, the way they did it, man, it's actually really good. I mean, if it's a first time watch for you, you would never see it coming. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of got the vibe of the a, – a li- not that exact ending but um, sort of like this perpetual nature of the film. I, I don't want to say anything but yeah, I kind, of, I kind of got an idea of how it could end up but it wasn't exactly how it did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it, we're we're into that spoiler territory where I don't want to say the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, but yeah, I man, wish I, that they would have actually. And I always, I always get this way with like any type of war film as well, where in westerns too, when, whenever characters are dressed very the same, I feel like you need to have like an even bigger emphasis on setting them apart. And I feel like this film doesn't really do that super well, you know, besides like the black guy and, and Joseph <laughs> that look very differently. The rest kind of look the same a little bit in the girl. Well, but, I mean, to be honest, I mean, they should be dressed the same, theoretically, if they're still in their Confederate uniforms and stuff. I mean, you got, uh, uh, what's his name? In the, uh, Sam, who's wearing the bolo hat. So you know it's him. But... Yeah, I just mean like personality-wise. Like, I feel like you need to emphasize, like, make each one a little more unique. Well, that, that's where I come back to, you know, Henry Thomas being the lead in this film. Like, there's nothing wrong with him. He's not terrible, but he's just such a he's such a stereotypical type 
character. I don't know. There, there's nothing separating him from the rest. I think Michael Shannon's character was a little more interesting. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I yeah. think he just, if he was a leader, it would have just been like, oh, yeah, he's the fucking leader. Like, when you look at the group right away, you, my attention is, is instantly drawn to Michael Shannon. Yeah. He just looks at, you know, Henry Thomas is like, what the fuck? It's like, he's like a knockoff of like, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it just doesn't strike me as a leader. Yeah. I, I, I guess, I think you it's know, a misstep. I had, I'm like, Dog Soldiers is another film where like every character seems the same to me. Like I can't tell them apart really. <laughs> Dog Soldiers is very. I agree with that. I highly agree with that, for yeah, sure. But I mean, anyway, uh, I digress on that. You know, what? What else? I, there, there was Dead Horses. I should have called this film Dead Horses. <laughs> so, so what exactly? You know, the name Dead Birds. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that they probably touch on. This in the commentary? I don't know. I mean, like, he literally steps on a bird, and he's like, I just stepped on a dead bird. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, there's the title. <laughs> but, like, to call the film Dead Birds, I, I'm assuming... And, and I think that probably hurt the film in terms of, like, like the, the cover and the title doesn't really sell the picture that much. No, it really doesn't, actually. I'd like to read people's reviews, actually, just to kind of go through them and see what people... I'm sure it's probably brought up, but, like, what is with the name Dead Birds? Yeah, I totally misunderstood. I mean, to be honest, I mean, how many people would look at that that movie in this cover and be like, "That's a Western horror film"? Yeah, not me. Nobody, <laughs> not one person. But just you know, rolling over the IMDb ratings, it seems like there's a lot of positive reviews. Oh yeah, yeah. Just like mostly everyone I I went to was like six to ten ten stars. Well, that's not bad. We all know it's not ten, but I mean, like you know, it's IMDb for Christ's sake. yeah um do you guys have any other nah no i'm pretty good on this one yeah all right well ratings i'll go okay um i've always been a big fan of this film i'll state that right away um one thing i love about this film is that it's played so fucking straightforward and serious there's really no comedy in this film and i think that just really benefits the whole idea of this one uh right from the opening scene in the film where they they you know rob this bank and shoot up the fucking place it sets the tone instantly it's like a very dark beginning and it just kind of rolls with it through the whole film it gets slow uh it's like a slow burn but it's very atmospheric and and it just it feels right, you know. Everything's subtle, and I love that about films. I like films that kind of give you the, they kind of, they make you kind of think and like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? Kind of thing. And this one doesn't really give too much away. Um, you start to learn things, and uh, you know, you're still kind of wondering what the hell. And I like the films like this, slow burns, thinkers. I think the you know the effects are decent in this one. I think one of the coolest things though is the wardrobes and costumes man they look fantastic in this really good stuff the score is awesome i think the ominous like kind of almost industrial um you can tell it's mixed down uh it's probably done with samples and so i would assume it's done with samples and maybe live instruments that are probably all fucked up and stuff but uh it's really cool how they did it though it just sounds awesome to me um but um to be honest I love the ending. I love what this film is all about. I think it's fantastic. It's kind of like, for some people, I could be like, ah, oh, what the fuck, you know? But at the same time, it's really damn cool. It's really fucking cool. Uh, I'm going to give this one 8 out of 10. I really love this film. I think it's fantastic. There's not really a whole lot 
bad to say about it. I mean, I, I pointed out some things at the beginning with the goofs and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> the whole black Confederate soldier is just mind blowing to me. <laughs> I really hope they touch on that in the commentary, but, uh, yeah, great film. I think it's fantastic. So, all right, yeah. Andy. Uh, so I pretty much agree with everything moves just said. I, I do wish, like I said, they touched on that tension a little bit more. I do agree. The ending was pretty well done. Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven and a half out of 10. Cool. Cool. All right. Me, uh, this is, this is a film that I'll probably bring up to people when I mention like hidden gems. Cause it doesn't seem like a lot of people talk about this one. Uh, I, I love these creepy slow burn movies to watch at night and i kind of liken this one to the film dead end from 2003 which was one year earlier it kind of has that same like atmospheric like slow uh creepy nature to it looming and uh you know i i i very much enjoyed this one and i never thought it was boring one time i never was time checking or anything like that goes for being a slow burn it goes by quick and uh, I give this one right what Andy gave it. I give it a seven and a half out of ten. Oh yeah! All right, <laughs> two seven and a halfs and an eight. That is nowhere near Hall of Fame. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's just not. No, it's, wait, it's wait, not wait. For, Should we add up the points and check Ghost Town real quick? <laughs> yeah. No, it's just not very often. Like lately, we just haven't had a third guest, so it just yeah. haven't add them up. So yeah. But, uh, yeah, Deadbird is glad everyone really enjoyed it, man. I think it's, um, I agree, JP. It's one of those films that doesn't get talked about a lot and can definitely be mentioned in that underrated or maybe over, I shouldn't say underrated, overlooked. Yeah, like hidden gems. Hidden gems, exactly. You call them hidden gems, overlooked. Hidden gems is probably cooler. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, Deadbirds, man, cool film. Not even afraid to show kids getting killed. I like that. <laughs> any film that can just show a kid getting killed you're just like fuck yeah that's awesome mad respect right from the opening scene so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that is going to conclude episode 85 here on the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast andy i yes. would like to thank you for coming on the show welcome back anytime buddy you did a great job and uh how was yeah. your experience andy yeah you i like? enjoyed it man uh that's like i said to you off off uh the show recording thing i said it's uh you get a whole new appreciation to, uh, for it's kind of things when you learn what kind of effort goes into it all that editing and everything you guys must do and the pre-gaming and everything that's something that we shouldn't take for granted uh, you guys do this with your free time so as a fan of the show i say thank you for having me come on <laughs> yeah definitely man thanks for Anytime, the kind words uh i do think that a lot of people uh do under value the amount of time and effort that these things take uh but we're happy to do it like we if we could do the show daily we probably would you know it's that it's that much fun me and moods always have a great time when jeremy was on the show he had a great time usually our guests have a good time uh it's it's something that i love doing and we're not stopping anytime soon you know we're actually probably going to pick up do more shows uh yeah I, i think so yeah, I think so, we have we have a bunch planned. We just don't know when we're gonna do them and stuff. So yeah, I think it's almost time for a bigger episode, though. <laughs> yeah, we actually. It's, when was the last time we did a bigger one? <laughs> it's been a while, man. Probably Tremors, huh? You think? Shit, man. Tremors was what eighty? 
79. No, seven, yeah, it's been that's probably the longest streak without a big show. Uh, I know what you did last summer trilogy, I guess, but that's just the trilogy, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we do have 96 on the horizon. Uh, we haven't nailed down a date for that yet, I don't believe, but it should be should be coming up soon. And uh, we we have some other stuff that we're gonna do. Um, I don't know what our next episode is yet. Me and Moods will discuss that, but. You know, thanks, thanks to everybody for listening all the time. Uh, ratings, if you guys would please rate us on iTunes, it helps so much. And anytime you rate us on iTunes, you're instantly added to any contest that we do. You're automatically entered into any contest we do in the future, uh, which is which is pretty small for asking for a rating, or it's pretty big, well, pretty small, pretty big <laughs> for asking. You know, it, what you're doing is small for what you're receiving uh, in terms of contests. Uh, especially with episode 100 on the horizon, because I'm pretty sure we'll give away a lot of stuff in that episode. Um, the you know YouTube channels, check out Retro Slasher. Uh, we'll put a link in the description. Mood 616. I'm Double Shot J. Definitely subscribe to me. I'm close to getting a thousand subscribers. I think it's <laughs> awesome. Um, actually, you know what? Can you unsubscribe to Moods and just subscribe to me? <laughs> That's completely fine. That's completely fine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so. The voicemail line, 724-426-6665. Uh, Twitter, 22ShotsPodcast. Uh, I was really active on there a little while ago, and I was having some fun uh, talking about films as I was watching them. So uh, follow us on there. Gmail, 22ShotsOfMoodsAndHorror at gmail.com. Of course, the website, 22ShotsOfMoodsAndHorror.com. Been active on there. I updated all the rankings, put in the or the ratings, put in the Hall of Fames. Uh People that actually inducted added four pe- four films to the Hall of Fame, which was uh, Martyrs, May, Gunwoman, and Tremors. So uh, check that out. Listen to the episodes if you haven't. Uh, go back and listen to all the old episodes if you haven't, or if you have, maybe re-listen to them. You can skip uh, Night of the Demons episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny when you was it you that posted? You know what? What is your favorite episode of the Twenty Two Shots podcast? Maybe. Probably. Is it you and someone? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you commented on someone's like, yeah, I think my favorite episode is Night of the Demons. <laughs> Here it is. Like, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I think the comment was, why did you like it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they said something about the fact that we were arguing so much or something yeah, like that. I can't well, that remember happens how it was, but... from time to time. <laughs> Especially when Jeremy's on the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's, yeah. So, uh, definitely. Definitely check out horophilia.com. There's tons of great podcasts on there, including our own. Uh, there's the Exploding Heads guys. There's the ABC's A Hidden Horror. Of course, Bloody Bits. There's a new show that I don't think has debuted yet. Actually, Jason hit me up to check it out and and tell me what his, my thoughts were to see if we brought him onto the network. And I, I'll tell you right now, guys, it's one of the best solo efforts I've ever heard. Like this guy is intelligent as hell. I don't know the name of the show yet, but definitely be on the lookout for that. He covers um, Ghostbusters, but that's actually not what the entire thing's about. He really breaks down in an you know academic way of like what makes horror awesome and why people like it. It, it, it kind of blew me away <laughs> with the quality of show that this is. Um, so yeah, horrorphilia.com. It's it's our second home. And uh, a lot of good shows on there. I highly recommend you guys check some of them out. And, uh, yeah, anything else? Anything else? Go Bills. No. (laughs) 
okay, yeah, I, you know what? It's what's it been? Twenty fucking years since the Bills have been to the playoffs. I get. I, you know what? I'll say go Bills. <laughs> <laughs> the longest playoff drought, in, playoff drought in NFL history, probably. No, it no, it literally is. Yeah. They had that record like four years ago. They haven't made the playoffs since '99, so it's been uh, 17 years. Yeah, crazy, right? Uh, yeah, but uh, mo- most, you know. Fine. After they fucking dominated like the late '80s and early '90s, isn't that fucked up? Yeah, it guys. If you if you're NFL fans, check out the thirty for thirty on the uh, the four losses in Buffalo. Ooh, that's a good thirty for thirty, man. I almost cried. Yeah, it's, it's nuts, man. It's it is. Nuts. It is happy to know that some of those players actually did go on to win Super Bowls for other teams. Yeah. But that's a, that's a hell of a thirty for thirty. Good documentary on Netflix. Check it out. I was happy to see Don Beebe did though. Yeah, that's my guy, the Beebe. Yeah, that was the guy that I was really. Who who did he go win with? Dallas or Giants? Uh, the Giants, Green Bay, one of those. Green Bay, I think. Yeah. The fuck do you? Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, fucking Beebe was awesome with Buffalo. Just couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, that that's a great, great, great documentary. That's one of the best sports stories in history. Yeah, it's, it, pre- it's pretty gnarly. It sucks that it's not like the time Buffalo won four Super Bowls in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, guys. Uh, oh, yeah. The Penguins. What, what the? The Penguins, dude? Yeah. Congrats to the Penguins. I don't think I ever said that. Yeah, man. Stanley Cup champions. Fucking yeah. Crosby. Crosby. Yeah. My, my boy wins again. Yeah, good stuff. I was happy with that. And, yeah, so that's the show, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Hope you enjoyed (laughs) your time, Andy. I did. Thank you for having me on again. I'm sure you'll be back. Anytime. All right. See you guys next time. Peace. Peace.